everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Wednesday, June 9th, and this is episode 35 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the Sultan Asaki. What's up, Josh? I'm just throwing this out there now. Do we start with this one, or do we already, like, edit the show? (laughs) 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 I have a feeling this is one of those, hey, guys, can you edit the... uh And I'm joined by my co-host, Sultan Saki. What's up, Josh? Hey, good to see you, Tim. How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing great. And the best thing to come out of Inside the Magic, Skipper Ben. What's up, Ben? If there was ever a show I needed one of these, <laughs> this <laughs> is it. The pathetic sound of that can opening is very reflective of how this has gone so far. Well, because this can is, like, room temperature warm now after it took so long to finally get the show off and going. Somebody decided to update his Discord five minutes before recording. I did not. Discord did it on its own. Rolls eyes at Ben. Ben broke his computer. Something like that. Uh, it's it's nice, though, that uh, I'm not the one with the computer issues. That's just a nice change of pace for us. It is refreshing. Yes, it is. It is. Your Windows 97 still works. It's crazy. <laughs> on, uh, Windows ME 97, one of the only years that doesn't have a version of Windows named after it. <laughs> <laughs> way, to, way to handle it. That was the I, joke, Josh. Come on. Oh, I think we it. had one of the six copies ever made of Windows ME on one of our old computers. Ooh, we got to hurry this up, though, because I'm in my last uh, of my 33 hours at AOL, so we need to get <laughs> recording. Well, let's get right down to it. Uh, it has been a shorter break between shows, and hopefully that is the new normal here, but we make no promises. Uh, we do have a couple of news items to hit, and then we have a larger scale agenda item, uh, which is a build-out of the Magic Kingdom through 2035, where each of us came up with our own ideas for that. But, excuse me, before that, uh, a couple of news items. People are losing their shit because Ohana is coming back July 9th and the noodles are gone. Uh, a couple of other changes. Um, the uh, peel and eat shrimp that uh, fan of the show Hunter Nixon did not realize were peel and eat uh, have been replaced by island shrimp casserole. Now, and, just to uh, clarify, if I remember the story right, all he did was peel them, right? No, he didn't peel them. He just ate them. Oh, I thought he just peeled them and threw them away. <laughs> no, he, he he looked after the fact for like an hour into dinner, and he sees the uh, the shells on everybody else's plate, and we're looking over at him, seeing that he's probably had two skewers of shrimp, <laughs> and there are no shells to be found anywhere near his plate. Wow. So, <laughs> love you, Hunter. Uh, anyway... And then they're adding kielbasa, and I, I don't know if that's actually replacing pork or if pork had already been eliminated uh, as one of the skewers of meat that were brought around. Uh, but the is thing kielbasa, that people, I don't think of kielbasa when I think of Polynesian food. Is that is that just me, or is, am I missing something there? As long as they have the wings and bread pudding, I'm good. So, uh, But they've changed the menu. Uh, they've tweaked the menu uh, periodically. Um, so there's no – it looks like there's no salad uh, it's being replaced by a broccolini, and they replaced the noodles as well. So people well, are upset about this. With all these uh, changes, they at least lowered the price, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The price is now uh, $7 a head, which means that uh, Ben and Derek, who owe me, I think, a combined 62 dinners. Uh, ben, are we going there uh, in July or what? Oh, my Wi-Fi is going out again, guys. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke. I got it. Uh, <laughs> it. That was almost as funny as my intro. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, so I assume that uh, that Ben is buying when we go to Ohana. I think you actually told me that you uh, you eat Pecos Bill pretty much every meal. So pretty um, much. I, 
Pizza Rizzo and Pecos Bills. You're not going to be happy with my bill that I'm spending $1.5 billion redoing Pecos Bill. You something don't, you hate. Nope. I will, <laughs> I will leave the show. Yep. Um, so it, uh, that that's the news on Ohana. As I said, I eat when I, when I go there, uh, just the wings and the bread pudding primarily. So I'm good. It's not going to stop me from, uh, uh, from going, but if they, uh, if these changes, and I think the shrimp is going to be the big one, if that uh, upsets people, I'm guessing that uh, money will talk. So if people vote with their wallets that they don't want to go to Ohana anymore, then so be it. But Did you if, did you book a trip? Are you going? Uh, so you can uh, book it, uh, I believe, beginning June 10th. And if I do not have anybody going with me, <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they bring, like for a table of four, they bring at least tables worth of 20 of food. I don't know the last time you were at Ohana. Um, but I very likely will go to Tambu Lounge at some point on uh, uh, the time that I'm there just to uh, to get the fix. And that's the uh, – not really a secret, but you can go and get the wings and you can get the bread pudding. And for me, that is a significantly cheaper alternative than – I was, I was going to be a jerk and have you book the four of us to go with you and then we just never show up and stick you with the $10 <laughs> head for the people that don't come. That'll be nice. That'll be, yeah. I'd, I'd still go. So Good I'd prank. get my money out of it. <laughs> So I, I'll say this: It's been a little while since I've been to Ohana, but the last time I, the last two times I went there, it was the service and the food quality was very low. Yeah, uh, I mean, just like empirically low, especially for what it costs. So I understand people are. I, I'm one of these people that's nostalgic and change is hard to deal with, but that place needed to be dramatically uh, shook up in order to get back to being something that was decent. So uh, I would. I'm going to reserve judgment for this until you guys eat there and let me know. But it, that place definitely could not have just reopened and kept doing what it was doing. I have not I think been I was there, there since. For... Go ahead. I was going to say, I haven't been there since 2006. And that trip, I spent an hour dry heaving in the bathroom because I got dr- so drunk the night before <laughs> jelly rolls. So uh, I don't know if the food was any good or not, but the people there got some entertainment every time the bathroom door opened. So uh, Jelly Rolls was my nickname in high school And uh, Josh I believe I was there for at least one if not both Of the trips As long as I I got my bread pudding and wings I was fine So um, I I, I hear what you're saying though That a place like that Has become so popular That it's It's kind of jaded The experience Where people go in with certain expectations Of it and it it was allowed to slip because it's impossible to get a reservation for it. So there's no real need to keep the standards up if the demand is so high. Yep. But there's also, I mean, the, the model they have, the or that they did originally, the Brazilian steakhouse kind of thing. I understand mm-hmm. it wasn't Brazilian steakhouse, but you know what I mean. The multiple yeah, courses, it's, it's meats on skewers, comical. you know. Yeah. That used to be much less common than it is now. I mean, every big city has five of those places and pretty much everyone that I've ever gone to does it better than Ohana does. So you you can't, you can't deliver that as your clientele gets more sophisticated and used to what's out there in the world. If you want to charge double or triple, you've got to be doing it better than the next guy. And they definitely weren't. The one that was local to me, uh, I think has since gone out of business, but it was a place called Rodizio Grill, and I believe that's the actual term uh, in Brazilian barbecue, uh, Rodizio, but uh, somebody smarter than me uh, from a culinary perspective can probably correct me on that. But uh, Ohana was offering three different types of meat on stick, and <laughs> I think Rodizio Grill probably That was my 40. nickname in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rodizio Grill probably had like 40. So anyway – uh, moving away from Ohana, um, the only other news item we had on here was that Avengers Campus officially opened. Uh, 
the what we said the last show about Spider-Man, I think that's going to uh, hold true. Say the name. <laughs> uh, Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure starring Figment. Thank you. <laughs> the The thing that is interesting to me about this is that they decided that the land itself isn't canon and fully acknowledge that they will add characters as they see fit. And this, to me, appears to be a lesson learned from Galaxy's Edge and one that I hope they can adapt for Galaxy's Edge. Um, so... Spider-Man, it's what we expected it to be. It's by no means an earth-shattering attraction, uh, but I'm sure that people are going to enjoy it for what it is. And as long as you go in not expecting the best shooter in the world or the best version of Spider-Man as an attraction in the world, then you might enjoy it. But um, I don't know that there's really anything different than what we said last show. Yeah, I feel bad that we crapped on Mario Kart so bad that I I feel like (laughs) I have to crap on this too because uh i i don't yeah, know that's fair. mario kart looked way better than this this is uh oh, absolutely this is not impressive uh and just the i get it there's gonna be another big e-ticket avengers attraction eventually one day because uh, phase two's always happen yep yeah exactly <laughs> uh but uh, jalen harvey i think nailed it on twitter uh when when he said that you get i think it was jalen sorry if it wasn't jalen then huh, f me uh <laughs> he he said you guys would be upset too if Pandora only opened with the boat ride. Yeah, that's about what it is. And that's that's a great example of it. There, uh, I think the only difference there though is is you know there's a sister version of this attraction you know a few hundred yards down the street. Uh, so to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have Toy right. Story Mania and Web Slingers so close in the same park. Uh, I don't you know it's the Transformer Spider Man argument, but at least those are in different parks. Uh, you know, if, if, if there were something yeah. like this over in Disneyland and Tomorrowland or something, then to me, that makes maybe a little bit more sense. But the, the proximity of these two attractions being so close and being the same thing uh, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me and doesn't doesn't blow me away. I think the Spider-Man stuff outside the audio animatronic flying through the air is really cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, so maybe that makes up for it for a little bit. But I just don't think I don't know. Maybe the, I don't think this ride's going to age that well. I think this is one here we're going to be looking at in a pretty short period of time. Going, uh, is that it? You know, what what can they do to plus it up? There, there's so many things, and maybe there is opportunity to do that. There, there's a lot of uh, dead time on this ride between the the battle scenes that in, in space that you could do some stuff. You, you know, it I, needs I think music I, for one thing. It, it, it needs music. I mentioned to you like how easy it would would it be to put a couple of Spider-Man audio animatronics in there, just pointing your car to go in the next direction. Go this yeah. way, guys. Go. That's all I need. Something like that. And they didn't even do yeah, that. Absolutely. It's literally just like concrete walls that you're staring at as you go from scene to scene. That makes this thing look quite boring, to be honest with you. I think we had similar takeaways from the Ant-Man attraction out in Hong Kong that it seemed yep. it seemed dull. It seemed like it was missing a significant step. Now, having said that, I really do like the idea of the land. I like the uh, self-referentiality of the land where it recognizes that it exists in California Adventure and they can just they don't have to take it too seriously by all right we can have characters that are dead in the movies in here and that sort of thing that in itself is great and as a big fan of Marvel I hope that the land is uh, enhanced and they do actually follow through with the phase two mm-hmm. but um, I mean this is it's it's a D ticket at best and if this had opened with an E ticket attraction as as Jalen hinted at and I'm pretty sure you're right it was him. Um, the, the story would be a little bit different. And yes, the comparisons to Spider-Man are inevitable. Um, oh, but yeah. 
it, uh, the, the Spider-Man attraction at Universal, that is. Yep. But the the bigger thing for me is that they they've done shooters before. It's not the best shooter attraction. And it's not the best Spider-Man attraction. So if you go in with that expectation, then you'll probably enjoy it. Like if you if you enjoy those types of attractions, if you enjoy Toy Story Mania, you're probably going to enjoy this. It's a family friendly attraction. It doesn't have a high requirement, so uh, that's a reason to to praise it. But it's not anything that should be a substantial. It, it's not a game changer for them by any means. No, and that's and, that's the scary part that. You know, we're on multiple Marvel attractions now that have not been game changers. Uh, <laughs> when you look at parks all around the world, you know that they're they're not hitting home runs with an IP that you would think it would be pretty easy to hit home runs with. So, right, uh, that's that's a little you know we yeah they keep saying hey there's a big e ticket coming, uh, but we haven't seen anything from them yet that really makes me think they can pull off a fantastic e-ticket when it comes to these Marvel characters. Prove me wrong, please. I hope you do. But right now, uh, you know, the best thing they've done is the redo of tower out there. And that is a blast. That is a fun ride, but it's also a great ride system that they're able to build a, you know, attraction around. And, uh, the guy who, you know, spearheaded that ride, he's not there anymore. Right. To do the next generation and next phases of Marvel attractions. So, uh, you know, I love the property. I love Marvel movies. I I have seen all of them multiple times. I'm the first in line to go do them. I love these things. I want Marvel to be extremely successful in the parks, uh, but it's not there yet. I think when we criticized um, Mario Kart, we did so with extremely high expectations. I think perhaps the reason why we're not being as critical about this as we have shat on it for the last five minutes is that I don't think our expectations were high to begin with. Uh, the initial leaked blueprints showed us a Toy Story Mania type ride system. Yep. And the novelty of not having a device, uh, despite the one you have to pay for, not, not having a device to actually experience the attraction, that's all well and good, but not anything that is totally revolutionary right now. No. And that doesn't make up for the fact that it's it's basically a nice addition to the park, but not anything that's going to change the park. And don't get me wrong, there absolutely needs to be those types of things. I, yep, mean, I, think, I think I have a fix for Mario Kart, by the way. Okay, we can go into that uh, in a second. I mean, this, there, needs to be, there needs to be additions like Little Mermaid that, yeah. all right, yes, it's a, it's a perfectly acceptable addition. There's nothing wrong with it other than it doesn't, you know, change the scope of theme parks uh, overall. Like this is, this is a capacity addition. You can call it that. And it's a nice dark ride to be added to a park that could use a handful of more dark rides. So well, my, before Josh gets to his point, just one thing to keep in mind as well is the ones that are saying like, this isn't the, the e-ticket of the land, the e-tickets coming at Disney's pace for building attractions. That e-ticket might be five years down the line. So yeah. this is the land for a while. And, right. you know, once the newness of it wears off, uh, you know, is it going to be super appealing to keep coming back to over and over again, uh, especially when the best attraction there has been there for years already and we've all done it, you know, multiple times uh, that that's we're, we're a ways away from that Avengers ride opening. So oh, yeah. uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how this area of the park uh, grows and, you know, is, is thought about here, you know, even with a year from now. Yeah, definitely. All right, Josh, fix uh, Mario Kart. Um, make guests ride the ride first so that they can then enjoy walking through the queue. Okay. So just you have to wait <laughs> for the queue and then Correct. 
Got it. I think they just drive you to the queue. Much like myself, that that attraction just peaks way too soon. (laughs) (laughs) And on that That note, that actually was not the entendre I was going for. Uh, why, don't, why don't we move uh, away from news onto our show topic today? Uh, we're going to do this for all four parks, but we're going to start with the Magic Kingdom because it is the original park, and that is a build out to 2035, uh, a totally arbitrary year that we decided on. Um, so we each came up with our own ideas for how to uh, best build out the Magic Kingdom to that year. Uh, and we have a couple of rules as we always do. So things like announced projects uh, have to proceed as announced. Excuse me. So that includes Tron uh, expectation is 2022 and Princess and the Frog as the makeover to Splash Mountain. And that's going to be in the 2023 to 2024 time frame. They haven't announced that. That's just kind of what we're working with. Uh, other things here, uh, we can't relocate things. So I can't pick up. It's a small world carousel of progress and Space Mountain and put them in Epcot. Um We can't eliminate a ride or substantial building unless it's been in place for 20 years. Uh, We're assuming that other things are going to happen that aren't really part of our agenda. So like they're currently doing the sensitivity updates to Jungle Cruise and stuff like that. Uh, If we want to do updates to Peter Pan's Flight, Country Bear Jamboree, Enchanted Tiki Room, that was fair game. But it's not anything that we have to build into our budget. And we were pretty generous with our budget in this one. I think we're going to amend these for (laughs) future parks. But with the Magic Kingdom, we had a budget of a billion to a billion and a half through 2035. Um, And that does not include the cost of Tron or... Uh, the Splash Mountain overhaul. So I don't know if there were any other rules that we discussed. I think that was it. Uh, other than and, um, the logic heaven. Uh, Sorry, just it? help me with my math. Uh, how long has uh, Pirates been there? 73. Se- 73. So you, All right. So you're, I can you're blow good it there, so. Cool. Cool. Okay. All right. Cool. And Mansion's <laughs> been there that long, too. It's been over 20 years, right? Ma- Mansion's been there since 71. All right. Good. It's gone. So you're, you're good. You're good. You can get rid good. of those. Sweet. Just, just listeners, make sure you direct those angry emails to Ben. Tim and I don't need to hear about this. <laughs> so since Ben is presumably going to destroy the entire park and replace it all with the Muppets, do you want to kick us off, Ben? Uh, or do you, you want to... Uh, you're seriously going to let the guy go no, first? No, held I the recording yeah. for nine minutes. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys go. No, I'm kidding. Okay. We should all fight about it. Josh, you want to go first? <laughs> sure. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so... To start with, I have to sort of hang a lantern on the fact that for my plan to even be plausible, there would have to be a pretty dramatic shift in the thinking of the top management of Disney in general and certainly of the theme park That's division. Probably, probably fair for, for all of us. I kind of figured that that would be um, <laughs> because we're not looking to do more of the same here. So, but anyway, the theme that I really went down is twofold. One is addressing paper cuts. What are the things that I've been frustrated by when I'm in the parks? What are the things that where I've been there and been annoyed? I've said, if I were in charge, I would fix this. So I tried to address a lot of that. And then a, a very much related idea is increasing capacity. Um, yep. And before we go in depth into what I actually plan, let me just mention one thing about capacity, because as I was doing the mental exercise of doing this project, it occurred to me that we use that term a lot. And we don't Mm -hmm. actually use it in a way that I think is necessarily what we're actually trying to describe. So, for example, we talk about a ride's capacity. I would describe that more accurately, I think, as throughput. You're talking about how many people can enjoy this attraction in a given period of time. And obviously, that's an important metric. There's no doubt about that. Because for any given demand, the length that the line is going to be is going to be affected by how quickly the attraction can actually swallow them. So that absolutely matters. 
But despite the fact that Florida has the quote unquote blessing of size, the reality is that the footprint of all of these parks has really remained mostly unchanged throughout their history, while the crowd levels that are going to these parks has increased dramatically. So one of the problems, especially on busy days, is that even though there's hypothetical capacity on all of the attractions to allow people to do, you know, however point many attractions they want in a given day, you still have the actual area itself, the pathways, the the lands, and those become really congested. And that being to use a technical term, but to nut for eight hours (laughs) in the sweltering Florida sun can really make it hard to have a good time. Even if the attractions that you're doing throughout that day are awesome. So So are you calling this project sparkle like Disneyland? (laughs) No, but widening pathways, addressing pathways. Let's, Perfect segue. Thanks, bud. Yeah. You're welcome. So, Anytime. <laughs> the first thing I want to address in my plan, what I call phase one, I didn't break it down specifically by year just because I don't really know the project management strategy that Disney uses to do that because it just seems so long that honestly, it's really hard to watch them do anything and actually derive any information about it. <laughs> There's a nine year cycle for the project. It seems like it. I mean, Tron has been being built. I, what's it's, when was that announced? I mean, I, I don't think wanna... Reagan was in office. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's a very long development cycle they have. And I'm sort of liberating myself from having to comply with that. So, why set arbitrary dates? Because they're just arbitrary. So, But yeah. the first thing I would do is come up with a plan and start to repair what I would describe as being a lot of damage that is done to the original flow of traffic through these parks. Okay. And there's a few things here. Kiosks are a big one. Um, facades that have I, like warts that have been added onto facades. This is especially apparent in Tomorrowland in that yep. opening area there. The, you know, it used to be a very streamlined, uh, you know, sort of layout. And as I understand it, one of the reasons that they moved away from that and added these sort of protrusions out into the pathway is because apparently people didn't weren't aware that attractions were even there. Um, I don't think that's as big of a problem in 2021 as it might have been in 1971, because while they certainly had park maps back then, there's a much higher level of technology. People are planning trips to a, you know, insane degree before they go. So I don't think there's a real high risk of things just being completely missed because they're not literally being stuck out into guest space. So I think that that needs to be, uh, walked back a bit get back to an open, more streamlined flow because traffic flow really, really affects the quality of the experience for guests. So that's the first plan. Do I have any specifics there? Mainly, like I said, in Tomorrowland. To me, that's the most egregious place where this has gotten bad. They're, they seem to be sort of kind of redoing a lot of that anyway. Um, yeah, they're touching upon it. They're touching slowly. up on it is a good way of saying it. It's it, it's the, you know, the they're, they're sort of painting over what's there. I mean, in some cases, literally, but at least figuratively. But I would go in more depth there, straighten that stuff up. All right. So that's yep. that's phase one. Another thing, this relates to the kiosk thing. And one of the main reasons I said you'd have to have a bit of a departure from the current management philosophy. Where is, every swatch of pavement needs to earn money. Exactly. Let's get away from that. And I'm not saying that the company should turn its back on money. What I'm saying that is what is in the best interest of the theme park divisions in the long term and what's in the best long term interest of the shareholders 
is to take a more guest-centric approach. Instead of looking at it as being a massive need to extract revenue every three seconds, let's provide the best possible experience and trust that over time that will translate into higher revenues and higher profits. That that sort of trust in doing the right thing and having it work out is something that I think is sorely missing in the current regime of management and has been for quite some time. Ben, is your approach to just install KUKA arms to shake people's wallets out of their back pocket? It's not bad. It's not uh, bad. <laughs> I, I do have a KUKA arm uh, attraction, but we'll save that for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so one of the related ideas here is I'm not saying that everything that's being offered in a kiosk right now needs to go away. But what I would like to see is some allocation of dedicated themed retail space. Not that they don't already have a lot of that. But ostensibly, there's only two reasons you would have a kiosk in the middle of the pathway. It's either because... Josh is coming for our bubble guns. <laughs> <laughs> you, you either literally want to be disrupting guest flow because it is that you know impulse buy, which I get. And I'm saying the company should say, maybe this isn't worth it. Or you don't have enough dedicated retail space as it is. I think, quite frankly, the merchandising that Disney has is pretty bad, um, especially for serious theme park nerds like us, who I, kn- I mean, Tim, when we were having trouble recording the show, Tim and I were <laughs> gave a tour of each other with, with Skype of our offices. We've both got hundreds of dollars worth of Disney One posters of and framing pants. and stuff. <laughs> One of you. <laughs> <laughs> One of me. And, you know, so and, and those sort of high quality offerings really aren't available in the parks. You know, no. so I didn't really address that in my plan, but but I want to see some. If you want to make money with retail, let's do a better job of it. Disney mm-hmm. is supposed to be the premium example of a theme park. Let's let's actually hold ourselves to that standard and and make that happen. When did Bob Chapek? When did Bob Chapek join our show? Jeez, <laughs> I'm looking at the merchandise that I have on display in my house, and I'm gonna guess most of it was something that was created by a third party unofficially because it's better. Yeah. And that's a very sad statement. Yeah. That's a, and anyway. it's, I mean, Redbubble's full of it. Uh, yeah. Utilidors.com, et cetera. <laughs> um, okay. So that's, that's sort of just a general idea. And that, that really does tie into what I'm trying to do here. And I'll, let me get back to my explanation of capacity. The one thing that we need to expand here is the actual park's ability to absorb, peop- absorb people and remain comfortable. So in this way, the did idea. Did you quantify of, that with a number or no? Because I, I actually did. I did not. I don't have enough knowledge or data or mathematical prowess to really do that. Okay. Well, but, I'll talk about it in my section, but yeah, just go Okay. Ahead. But what I think we need to make sure that we're doing here is adding things that could absorb people off of the pathway so that they're having a great time. They're in a comfortable environment. They're having a themed fun experience, but they are not, you know, creating congestion for everyone else on the pathway. So we have to increase the park's ability to comfortably and entertainingly, I don't think that's a word, uh, accommodate a greater number of people. Not in um, Scrabble. So, uh, let's get, since we're in Tomorrowland anyway, because I think it's the most egregious place where the pathway thing exists. Um, I'll mention my first attraction and no one who's ever listened to me on any show is going to be surprised by this, but it is getting rid of the speedways that exist today and replacing it with a modern state of the art, aesthetically pleasing, non-carbon producing uh, attraction uh, that is of a sufficient quality to be an appropriate foreground view for this beautiful show building that they're making now with Tron. And honestly, I think (laughs) I don't know what I think. I I want to believe in my heart that Disney has some plan for the Speedway because it's just shocking to me that they would build Tron behind it the way that they did with the expectation to be that they leave what's there there. It just doesn't make sense. 
Um, but then again, this company surprised me and disappointed me so many times that I can't really convince myself that, that there's any fire there. Um, but my but, idea is But this. Josh, you, you can't you can't take away my Speedway. That's the first <laughs> car I ever drove. Yeah. It's safe to assume that we all have a Speedway on our list. Yeah, I mean, I, how could you not, right? You get a billion dollars, <laughs> you're going to leave that there. What are you doing? You're fired. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Oh. Yeah, but you hate everything that's good and holy. So <laughs> Even if you don't, Ben, it's actually kind of funny because I, I think Josh's approach to it is going to be different than my approach. And, and you a, don't have it at all. The best part about this show <laughs> is how different all three of our brains are. That yeah. we will never have the same idea across. We will we will always approach each one of these projects in a totally different way. So that uh, that's what I love about this show. The show would kind you of suck that, if we like all my, if we all had the exact same idea. <laughs> my bullet points right now are pretty much checking all of Josh's boxes uh, step by step. I have that's fresh cool. in the park, add capacity, and then Tomorrowland Speedway was my first bullet. <laughs> <laughs> But there, it, it is nice that even though we have different ways of implementing it, I think the strategy, the, you know, the, the, source the goals of the issues, are the same. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, continue. And that, if anything, that sort of reinforces the idea that these are we're correctly identifying these issues, I think. Yeah, that's um, true. So here's my idea. And I admit it's not fully fleshed out because when you've got, you know, one to two billion dollars over 10 years to redo a whole park. Yeah, I didn't go, I didn't have time to build the model or paint its scale of the individual attraction. <laughs> but here's the gist of it. I want to create somewhat of an homage to the Speedway, not okay. because I think it's a good attraction. I actually think it's the worst go-kart experience in the country today. Um, it's a, I think it's a terrible attraction, um, and I don't have any affinity for it, even as a kid. I mean, I grew up in, in you know, my dad was, a, was into racing cars when I grew up in garages. I mean, if anyone would have an affinity for cars, I think it would be me, and that I just saw that. I'm like, this sucks. Like, I'd rather drive any go-kart on any other place in Kissimmee or Pigeon Forge or anywhere else than do this because there's a rail there, right? You're not really driving. You're just sort of banging back and forth on a rail. It's like uh, clang, you know, clang. six state in high school. <laughs> it's a guy anyway. doing a leg press machine with, with like not enough weight. <laughs> <laughs> or too much weight. Yeah, either um, one. Um, so my idea is this. It's a new type of ride system that is loosely based on the trackless ride systems that are out today. Okay. And it's a hybrid of a dark ride experience that it doesn't need to be edutainment, but it's going to be sort of a fun, whimsical transportation theme thing, which I think you can get away with now since world of motion is gone. Mm -hmm. And at the end, here's sort of the, the aha moment is this ride vehicle, which has been controlled as part of a pre-programmed experience, goes out onto a road course, and it is at least somewhat drivable by the guest. So this would be a way to showcase autonomous driving to where you would have freedom to completely control the vehicle, but if you got too close to someone and you were going to have an impact, the system would take over. So sort now, of would like somebody like Josh Fenton get upset about how much of a governor is put on the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. because here's the thing. I have trouble when people, I, I know exactly what the provenance of this joke is, you know, you're <laughs> but the thing is, if you're going to tell me you're, you're creating a flight simulator, then it needs to simulate flight. You're the one who told me it was a simulator, <laughs> not me, right? It's not similar. So you screwed up. This is not simulating something real. This is doing something that I think Walt was really, really passionate about, which was imagining... Crashing car... Oh, sorry. <laughs> imagining what actually could happen, yep. right? And modernizing transportation was a really big deal to Walt. I mean, a huge part of the whole Epcot story and the Epcot plan was how the transportation was going to work. I mean, there was a tremendous amount of thought put into that. So I think that this is... 
this is respectful to Walt's passion, his understanding of the fact that to have that transportation played a really important role in civilization. You see that theme in in uh, Carousel of Progress. You saw it in Horizons. Certainly, World of Motion, even in Test Track. You can't have a world of people working together without being able to transport them effectively. So what? So taking a fun look at what that's going to look like in twenty or thirty years to me is absolutely within the canon of what. Uh, tomorrow land should be about what is this land going to look like tomorrow i mean that's the idea so so you said basically starts out as a uh trackless dark ride like so so an indoor portion right where it's okay. totally self-driven and i even can imagine I, I did some story thinking like i imagine you know some artificial noise is being played where it sounds like it's an internal combustion engine yeah and you know maybe you have smellitzers in there which you know give you some smells and there's some smog and then give some gas fumes (laughs) yeah well obviously that would be you know here's where you want a simulation right but as you liberate yourselves from that and you know the air gets cleaner and the environment gets quieter uh you could sort of overplay the value that exists in not being beholden to technologies of the past. And as woke as this company is right now, it's amazing to me that we can't convince them that maybe an attraction that, uh, you know, is very referential, referential to uh, fossil fuels might not be the best bet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they so far have doubled down on keeping it, I guess. Um, but anyway, Wendy, that's, that's wait, the gist. Wait, I don't have wait, much more to add there. When do you encounter Mater? <laughs> yeah, one is <laughs> No, we don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I, I do think some distinction between parks is important, although I'm, I'm, I'm going to make myself a hypocrite soon because I am going to copy some attractions here. What is, what is your budget for your Speedway redo? Scrolling down, um, I put $200 million for that. Okay. You're what a little do you more mean you don't use gasoline? And the truth is, I don't really know how to budget for a theme park attraction for an as-of-yet non-existent <laughs> ride system. Okay. You, you know, I don't know if 200 million is generous or if that's stingy. I really don't know, but I made an attempt and I came in about yep. just to let everyone know my total budget was 1.1. 1. 1. So okay. I tried to keep it within the, within the rules that we had. Any questions okay. or thoughts before I move on to my next thing, which is much nope. less ambitious. Okay. Move on. The next thing again, it deals with clutter. And I think a problem that we've all experienced being in the parks are the stroller parking lots. Yep. Um, parking garage. Get a stroller parking garage. Close. This didn't exist 20 years ago. Well, it certainly didn't exist 30 year, years ago. I, I don't remember 20, to there be honest. There were no but, kids back then. <laughs> well, there were. That's the funny thing, is that there still <laughs> were kids, yet this wasn't a problem. And so I tried to think, what could we do to get rid of this? And it occurred to me, there are some places in the world that are doing unique Wood things chipper. that are addressing <laughs> that would definitely solve the problem in a very morbid way. Uh, how to be clear there. for the strollers, not the children. <laughs> oh, I, I understand why a reasonable person could get confused there. So here's my idea. It is based off of what Google and Facebook do with the bikes that they have on their campus, where instead of having everyone who wants to ride a bike, ride their bike to the campus and then have to park it there, they just litter bikes around and then you pick one up when you need it, you drop it off when you're done, then you pick up another one. And since at any given time in a theme park, Roughly, I would say 50% of the people who are in there, that might be an incorrect number, are on an attraction or in a show or in a restaurant. You end up with a lot of strollers that are in the park that are really not being used at any given time. So this to me is not Other something. Other than for souvenir storage. Yeah. Well, well uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this would work as an optional thing. I think to make this uh, achieve the goal that I am setting out for it, 
the park would have to say no more outside strollers allowed. And I know that that would create some backlash, but again, this has just gotten out of hand. I think it would have been unreasonable 30 years ago necessarily for Disney to say you can't bring in an outside stroller, but we now know what the consequence of that is. It's a disaster and they've got to do something about it because it's only going to get worse and it's already horrible. It's, it's not good for sight lines. I mean, it just makes the park a cluttered mess. Um, and it's a fixable problem. Let's just say, look, this is what we have to do. It's a potential revenue generator because if they made it opt in, uh, at where you had to pay, then that would prevent every person who walks in there from just grabbing one. It would reduce the total number that you need in the park. Um, and it also would allow Disney to control the size of these things. I mean, these strollers now have gotten to be like, they, the same thing happened to strollers that happened to SUVs. They started out as being like car-sized things that were just shaped differently. And now they're, you know, buses. And these strollers, I mean, I saw a stroller, I think it had like 12 wheels on it. I mean, this thing was a behemoth. You know, it's just, to me, it's just ridiculous. See, so that, I, that's what I would do. I'm going to have to say no on this one. Uh, and Tim will be there as a point as well. The thing that makes like these these bikes uh, so appealing, the scooters, things like you see in cities like that now, where, where yes, you just pick one up when you need it and drop it off when you don't use it, mm-hmm. is the affordability of using them. They're cheap. Have you ever tried to rent a stroller from Disney? It's ridiculous, the price that they gouge you on there. So if you give them the full power to not bring in your own stroller and then give them like they just set their own prices. Disney's never done the right thing when it comes to doing something affordable for the people. So if you said that if they were going to go this route and part of the deal was there's a cap on what it was going to cost and it would become appealing to a family to actually go this route, I'd be for it. But with the current uh, regime, that's probably still in power that would be putting this into play uh, during this timeline. It's it's a, it's a non-starter. It's actually a deterrent to a lot of families. They would not go to Disney because of of the well, that actually also helps out. capacity. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, so I I hear you. I don't want to be dismissive of what you're saying, but I think <laughs> I'm liberating myself from from the mindset of the current regime from, because from none of, none of this is going to work <laughs> under the current regime. So you know, I'm not ta- I'm not saying that you're going to be price gouged for it. Josh's Disney won't be existent 50 years from now because <laughs> kids can't go at a young age to fall in love with the parks like we did because their strollers cost too much. Did you read my notes? Because no kid, no, that's not a bullet on my list. But I do trust like me. the idea that Josh, uh, who who doesn't have kids, is the one mandating the uh, the stroller policy. I think since we do have three white guys on the show, we should probably get into race relations and gender relations <laughs> as well, uh, just because we are clearly the best suited people to do it, as exemplified by Josh's uh, analysis on children. Um, I mean, I, didn't I understand. analyze children. I analyze strollers. <laughs> I understand what you're going for but i also think that uh so often the stroller is used for more than just transport of the child itself and Uh, that's what i'm trying to end (laughs) because so let me let me undermine your argument there you're the the thrust of your argument is that i'm not qualified to comment on this because i don't have children and then your real reason that it's a problem is because people use these strollers for much more than just children well the accessories to the children, the diaper bags, the bottles, the change of clothes. Right. The, you know, there, you there's, know, it's not I, just a, uh, you know, drink holder. It, o- it only took one accessory for me to avoid all of this, and it was called a vasectomy. <laughs> well, fair, except this is a place for families. I would counter with whatever money you've put towards this project. Uh, 
what we've seen, especially over the last uh, year with the parks reopening, the social distancing. This is eight hundred million dollars of his budget. Yes, it is. <laughs> the 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 Disney has seemed to find space to put people during uh, these return to the parks with the with the extra spacing uh, that they have to do. I would say as we get back to normalcy and we don't need that spacing for people. Maybe we find better ways to utilize areas that aren't being used or utilized right now for stroller parking. That's not, you know, in the middle of the walkway in Tomorrowland. Yeah. use some of that space off to the side, maybe build out in the backstage area a little bit, uh, uh, areas where the strollers can go that are not, you know, eyesores for people as they're walking through those lands. So maybe I don't maybe disagree we, with the problem at all. There's definitely a yeah, problem, but the, the, I think there's, a lot of space in and around the parks that we found that wasn't utilized before that now could be utilized to probably solve this problem uh, moving forward. So I'm going to scratch my next footprint expansion here because I'm guessing abortion land isn't going to be something that you guys are into. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> no, no. Um, all right. So you didn't like the making of me, did you? <laughs> I like the making of me. I just didn't really care for the making <laughs> it's of too scary else. for him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so next attraction I have uh, over at Adventureland. Um, it's funny you mentioned pirates because I'm gonna I'm gonna touch a classic here, okay. but in a good way I think. Again, I want to increase capacity of the park. How many people can the place hold? And one way to do that is to make attractions longer, and that's a tricky thing to do uh, because, well, at least the I, company. I may seems- reject your premise, but I'll hear you out first. Okay. The company seems to think it's a tricky thing to do. Um, and I would point to Universe of Energy as an example of that. I think 45 minutes was too long. We could probably, probably agree to that. And in that case, the amount of people that it swallowed, I, maybe this is what you're going to say, Tim. It does go down if people don't want to ride it. So I'm, I'm with you there. But the fact is, the pirates that we have in Florida is really a incomplete telling of the story that exists in the original, yes, which is in California. Light. Yeah. So what I, and since this is an attraction, much like Tron, that is outside the berm, or at least the show building is, I think the queue and certainly the facade is, is, you know, in the park, but, um, it's, you know, a big steel building, which is where the actual attraction is. Uh, as of the last time I looked at Google Maps, there's a lot of room around that to expand it. And I would just try to add the portions of the ride that we never got which would uh, increase the overall length of that attraction. It would ostensibly make it better. It would be a way to give people more, you know, touching these classic attractions is sometimes tricky, but here you're not really taking anything away. You're not disturbing the, the, you know, authenticity of it. You're just making it into the full version that it probably should have been in the first place. Um, most of the people listening to the show probably know the story, but, uh, as the legend goes, they didn't put pirates in Florida because they thought it was so close to the ocean that people wouldn't be interested in hearing a pirate story. And when people came, they were kind of shocked that they didn't have it. And the Disney company basically did a very quick, uh, you know, they wanted to get in there as quickly as possible. So the park opens at 71, uh, I think late 73 pirates open. So it wasn't a lot of time that, that, that burned there. And they, and they did a, a light version of it. So yeah, I allocated, a uh, hundred million to that. That's probably so it's, about it's just right. an expansion. So uh, the the re- the thing I wanted to clarify, and I think this is more of a um, semantics thing. You wouldn't increase the hourly capacity of an attraction by making it longer. You would increase the number of people who are on the attraction at one time. And that's why uh, I was trying to distinguish yeah. between throughput yep. and capacity. Yep. Anyway, continue. Okay, uh, that's all I had to say about that. Um, Can you say that my- like Forrest Gump, please? <laughs> that's all I'm saying about that. 
uh, for Attraction 3, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot to, to say about this. That was awful. <laughs> you guys are being hard on me tonight. I want a Matterhorn. Give me it. Um, okay. I don't know where to put it. Epcot. But, um, no, it's going in Magic Kingdom. <laughs> um, again, I'm not sure where. I don't think it fits where Splash is. So I don't think that's really... A, 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 you know, I would want this to be an addition. Again, another... Uh, e-ticket type attraction or d-ticket that uh, can consume some people another thing for people to do uh, it's a classic i don't certainly think you should put an arrow coaster in there um, but if you did just a modern retelling of that attraction i don't want to go nuts with it i don't want to i don't think it needs it it's it's sort of a simple thing it's a cool bobsled roller coaster uh through a mountain in italy right that's uh not a it's not a crazy idea um I would put you an instrument coaster in there. Where? Uh, I would put it, uh, you'd have to move roads, but I would basically put it between Be Our Guest and Little Mermaid behind those two. Okay. Uh, you'd probably have to lose a building to do it to get like a queue out there. But like you have some facade uh, rock work anyway, and that would kind of like be off in the distance. Um, it's certainly something that would, if you did put it behind something, it would give you a great force perspective opportunity. It would make the park sort of like, um, uh, sorry, I had a brain fart there. It would, it would certainly make it seem as though the park extends out much further than it does by having some sort of towering, you know, mountain off there in the distance. It's a place you can actually go and ride. So it I like might also there. catch on fire more often in that location. But other yeah, than that, th- there's been a couple of instances of that fireworks could, fall out. You could build it on top of uh, Carousel of Progress. True. Just mm. throw it right on top. <laughs> mm. Bite your tongue. And take the. It would take the people mover out too. No, not going to happen. Okay, so that ends my pure MK items. I have one more thing on here, which I admit I, I consider it to be Magic Kingdom, Uh-oh. but it's it's it's. I could see how you could debate me on this. What was your Matterhorn budget? Out of curiosity, uh, one hundred fifty million. Okay, probably a little low. A eh. little. I don't know. It doesn't have to be insane. You know, they, this company used to be able to build attractions on a budget. They they could get back to that if they tried. I mean, Everest <laughs> was built 12 years ago, and the reported cost was 100 So okay. then I, I think, think 150 is, is, is in line. All right. It's the, so, it's the computer-driven technical rides that get that much higher. Yeah, but his Matterhorn would need to build three Yetis. That's true. <laughs> so four Yetis. Is it four Yetis? Yeah, four Yetis. No, three Yetis. I We're not going to build them out of 747 parts, though, so <laughs> it's going to save some money. Each Yeti is its own building. So my tag on here is renovation of the of the TTC and modernization and expansion of the monorail system. But okay. I'm not, it, I didn't cover the expansion in here at all because that's truly not Magic Kingdom. But one of to me, one of the greatest storytelling elements that Magic Kingdom has is that you can't park there. It's it. I know it might seem silly to a lot of people, but this idea that you pull into TTC, which is like, okay, this looks like a normal place. You get on a monorail, which as a kid was an amazing thing. And it's that that takes you to Magic Kingdom. It's like, where are you? It's this magical disconnection from reality that happens because of that transportation system. It really plays a part in allowing guests to suspend disbelief because it disconnects you from the world that you were familiar with when you got there. So this is something that, to me, deserves some love and attention, and it has not gotten it. Um, former Kingdom Cast host, uh, Baron Von Business, you know, he worked there for a time as a monorail driver, 
and has for the amount of time he worked there doing this, which was maybe two or three years, he has a, a appallingly high number of stories about <laughs> issues that those trains have. And certainly anyone who watches Disney News has seen them. So they need to be replaced and modernized. Um, and I think the TTC, as the first real thing that guests see, if yeah. you're a first-time Magic Kingdom visitor you know who's not staying at a resort, it's not the first impression that I think says you're about to no. enter the most modern, you know, the most... The most first class. There are subway stations in this country and in other countries that are far more impressive than the TTC. Even though what's leaving it is a pretty darn cool mode of transportation and what you're going to is, uh, in theory, higher and your expectations are higher for that place than any other place on the planet. But the actual first impression, you're right, is I don't know what to do there, but yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying. So I allocated... um, $100 $100 million to the TTC into phase one of replacing trains. I don't know how many that gets you, but then I also allocated $200 million <laughs> to monorail phase two, okay. um, which would be replacing the rest of the trains. And I consider this, this would be the last thing that I would do. So I, I forgot to sort of tell you when I was doing these things, but yeah. the, the pathway thing and my uh, now red lit canceled uh, stroller debacle <laughs> was, was phase one. Uh, phase two was the Pirates redo. Phase three was the the Matterhorn and the TTC redo. Okay. And that leaves okay. me with $150 million just to cover overages because I figured I was probably low on some of these things. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're uh, one of the questions at the outset of this was how do we determine prices? And we did have uh, some internal documents on a five-year plan for Epcot that gave us gave us a framework, but it is absolutely an, an inexact science, and I think we all recognize that, which is why yeah. we gave such a big range for what our budgets were. So do you have anything else to conclude uh, yours, or have you wrapped yours up? That's pretty much all I have. Okay. So I'm going to jump in ahead of Ben here. Uh, I'm going to be the a-hole. But I think at least uh, to start, Josh and I had had similar approaches. And I I I mentioned it before, but I'm going to kind of read some of these bullet points uh, where uh, I specifically said at the beginning of mine, one of my goals is to freshen the park and increase hourly capacity. Um So that is very much a target that Josh is trying to accomplish as well. Uh, I did say, and I've said in the past that I think that the Magic Kingdom needs to add six to 10,000 guests per hour of uh, throughput for, uh, for attractions. I, I think Tron is going to address some of that, um, depending on how quickly they dispatch it. It could what be as high as 12 to 1500. I'd say probably 12 to 1400. I don't think okay. it's going to ever approach 1500 because, I mean, you've seen the ride system. It's a, Difficult uh, loading. Uh, yep. It is dual load and dual unload, which helps. But um, I think I, that the the demographic, the size differences between the populace of Japan and America is going to be an interesting uh, experience <laughs> for that ride. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the other things I said for my goals and problems: um, Tomorrowland needs a lot of love. Uh, I think that Adventureland has been neglected for a little bit. So I wrote uh, Adventureland needs a major draw. I do not satisfy that. Uh, but I, I do give Adventureland some love. Uh, I think Princess and the Frog is at a place in Frontierland. And I think Liberty Square is a mediocre theme and is redundant with American Adve- with the American Adventure Pavilion. So that's kind of the angle that I took here. Um, but isn't that the <laughs> setting for the – I mean – 
wouldn't Hall of Presidents be extraordinarily out of place without that? Uh, yes, but I'm not keeping Hall of Presidents, so that gotcha. Okay, address addresses that. Fair enough. So there's a couple of things that I looked at, and if if you want to go like uh, fifty thousand foot view, um, the takeaways from what I'm doing is somewhat unremarkable, uh, and I'm still spending one point four billion dollars. Uh, but uh, I am also starting with the Speedway. Um, Josh, you were kind of questioning at the outset, like why they're putting Tron on the perimeter of the park with the speedway in front of it. And I think it's a very logical question. At one point, it seemed that there was supposed to be a Tron inspired speedway attraction. Um, and I think we've looked at this, that uh, these types of attractions take up too much space and need to, need to be a better use of land. So normally I just say get rid of it or put it elsewhere. I think I've suggested Toy Story Mania in the past. Um, but this time around, I'm going to take another approach. Uh, I'm keeping the Speedway, and I'm actually building two of them. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a rather, rather than eliminating entirely, we're, we're doubling up on the Speedway. <laughs> this seems like something they would totally do. So. Yes. So, so hear me out. Uh, two Speedways with interwoven tracks and different themes. Uh, at the current Speedway entrance, there's a Wreck-It Ralph slash Sugar Rush theme. Uh, it also kind of helps as a transition area with Fantasyland. On the Tron side, there's a Tron-inspired attraction. Uh, both rides will begin indoors and enter through arcades. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph will be Litwax Arcade. Uh, uh, the Tron side will be Flynn's Arcade. Uh, Sugar Rush vehicles will look the part. They'll be made out of candy. Uh, not actually candy, but, you know, they'd they be themed as such to look out of candy. Structurally, they just wouldn't work being made out of candy. But you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, the Tron vehicles would have the Tron aesthetic. That was A-plus delivery, buddy. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Tron vehicles would have the uh, aesthetic but not be light cycles. Um, that's reserved for the coaster. So the reason why I chose these two, Tron is a little bit obvious because you've got a Tron attraction adjacent to it. But I think both of the uh, – for the purposes of a Speedway attraction, you don't really need a story. But there are story beats in both of these movies that kind of allow for a little bit of interplay. And in Sugar Rush uh, and in Wreck-It Ralph, there's a concept of glitching. Like a, a character can glitch mm -hmm. and uh, jump games. So that makes Wreck-It Ralph very viable to jump from a Wreck-It Ralph theme to anything else, basically. It's a, it's a story beat that just has no real boundaries. So uh, Sugar Rush vehicles go through a glitch tunnel, and the Tron vehicles get hacked by Flynn, and the two themes get muddled as they intersect. That's a great idea, dude. Yeah, there'll be elevation changes indoors. Uh, you could potentially extend the light uh, light cycle power on canopy design um, to really just make this be a, a really big part of Tomorrowland and lean into it. Uh, I hate Speedway attractions, but I figured that kind of go out of the comfort zone a little bit here and try to come up with something to do on this footprint that keeps them because uh, that's not the way that I would normally go. So, so you, wa you wanted zero, faced no opposition, and compromised right. by building two. Exactly. Exactly. You, you probably, you, your wife is probably very, very happy. Yep. Uh, I am probably too low on my budget here. I allocated $150 million. But I also don't think that the actual indoor portion is going to be a major part of the ride. I what think do you see would... for ride vehicles? Like, what's the actual ride? Gas-powered. Um, yeah, gas-powered. <laughs> uh, uh, the most inefficient diesel engines you can find. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you probably have them tethered. Uh, or otherwise, I mean, that's going to be the cheapest option. 
um, to do something similar, but an electric version of it, uh, where you've got them bound by a rail um, and you're really only controlling speed. Uh, uh, I loved your idea up until that part. But I mean, at the same time, if you want to go whole hog and we're coming up with uh, uh, with ridiculous budgets anyway, sure, why not? Let's make it the most expensive version of it. And it's true uh, go kart uh, race where you can glitch and, you know, all that stuff. But the uh, the concept itself was one that uh, I'm not to toot my own horn. I was I was pretty uh, proud of that idea for something that I wasn't really a fan of to begin with. Um, no, I, I think theming wise, it's a, it's a brilliant idea. Like you said, it yeah. actually. Fantasyland and Tomorrowland, I think that's kind of a hard boundary to it is. to bridge. And there's not really much in the way. But basically, there's green space and a railroad there. Um, so I think your idea would do a tremendous job of actually creating some some sort of transition. I'll pose the same question to you that I posed to Josh. Okay. Um, when do we run into Mater? <laughs> uh, we can put him in there. He can be one of the glitches. Why not? Uh, you can have him in the um. He's in the not a video rush. game, though. No. You got to glitch for video game to video game. I'm sure there's probably a uh, a cars video game that uh, you, <laughs> oh, you can have. You can have non-canonical, sugar non-canonical. rush. Non-canonical. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fair game. It's fair use. It's Disney. Um, so I also add in here. I figured that would probably be a uh, a capacity boost of around a thousand guests per hour by doubling up on the speedway. Um, so anyway, moving, uh, staying in Tomorrowland, uh, Space Mountain gets a top to bottom update. Um, I think that with Space Mountain being, this shouldn't be a hard sell, but with Space Mountain being kind of the, the go-to when you think of indoor themed roller coaster, it should be the best version of that. Uh, and it's clearly not, especially in Walt Disney World. Um, so remove the entire track, keep it relatively family friendly. I'm not, I don't think it should be as intense as Everest. Uh, I think it should be on the same plane of intensity as uh, Space Mountain in both Florida and California. Uh, keep and perhaps even update iconic elements like the blue light tunnel. Um, but something else that I think is a must here is I don't know of any uh, uh, chain lifts to space. I think there needs to be a launch of some sort. Uh, and it doesn't even need to be uh, uh like Velocicoaster-esque launch. It just need to have some sort of launch as opposed to a chain lift. That's something that I think would be a When you uh, say the words out loud, it is hard to argue with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And because I'm not necessarily uh, uh, really changing the structure of the building, I budgeted $150 million. Uh, I can get a coaster for 25 mil. So you got 125 mil for theming there. Um, Would you you be okay with... I, I think the only way that would not break my heart is if the aesthetics of the ride remained as corny and unchanged as they are. I This is where, I guess, that's a ride I have a personal connection to. As a space nerd, that was a ride that opened up when I was like six. No, that's not right. I wasn't born yet. Um, but I think I was about six when I wrote it for the first time. Does that sound right? You guys have kids. Would that be about when a very tall kid was able uh, to ride yeah, that? Yeah, probably, because it's either 40 or 44. I don't know what the yeah. requirement is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so yeah, that's about right. I, I would hate to lose that experience, but... Um, so cite some of those uh, corny elements that you're talking about. Are you talking about the lift itself? I mean, just the the ship that's up there, you know, the model that's just, you know, a, a fiberglass model hanging from the ceiling that has, you know, dust on it from a, a generation ago. Um, the lighting, the, and that's changed, the sounds, but just, just the aesthetic of it. If I could just ride through that space identically, except not have it on a hardly banked arrow you know, spine breaking coaster. I, that to me would be a real I mean, win. 
but you're to just lose talking it. about the li- you're really just talking about the lift hill at this point, right? Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, no, I have- but I mean the whole. I mean, I, even the layout. Like, I want the same exact route. I just want it to be smooth. Basically, is all I want. Because the thing is, if we do what you said, if you made Space Mountain the best indoor roller coaster, it wouldn't be Space Mountain anymore. I mean, that, that's a fair argument, but I think it, it there is perhaps best is not the right word, but it needs to be a substantial improvement over what's there currently. Um, for I me, like that it's corny. To me, it's just it's it's one of those things that even though it's not super impressive, I think it stood the test of time in its own special way. And I think it would be real easy to break that by placing the ride system. Tim is just killing my childhood speedway. This now he's going to take country <laughs> bears out next. I hate this. I hate this whole plan, Tim. <laughs> okay. Well, we can, uh, we can continue on to your point though, Josh, um, perhaps something innovative from a lift standpoint to, to showcase some of those elements. And that, that does act as a, like a scene one, of the attraction, or maybe it's a, like scene two or scene three, but um, it's a pseudo dark ride scene in a coaster, mm-hmm. and a launch would eliminate that. But perhaps you just, if I'm rebuilding it from scratch, perhaps I do have those elements in it. I, I didn't really go a scene by scene for Space Mountain. I, go ahead, Ben. As you say, I get where Josh is going with this, and you're 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 kind of hitting it there a little bit too. But the there's. We hear it all the time, killing my childhood, all that crap. But honestly, and I think Josh can probably say the same thing. This was my first roller coaster, and mm-hmm. no no ride makes me feel like a kid the way Space Mountain does. Every time I sit in that car and I go up that hill and I know every bank and every turn on that track, it just, it there's probably not a ride at Disney World, period, that takes me back to being a kid visiting Disney World, then Space Mountain, and... Yeah, you. you said it better the, than I could. That's, I get that's exactly my point. It's it's like it's to me. You can update any of the other rides. I'm fine with the update. Space Mountain is the one though that it's like I can close my eyes and it feels like you know 1987 during my first trip uh, and going on that ride every single time. So and do you kind I, of agree would, with me? It's sort of the, the first things you would fix would be the things that I would miss the most. I think that's right, the, right. the problem. I, it's kind of like it's got to stay bad. I like the shittiness of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's charming. Here's one of my uh, one of the, my notes does say keep and keep and update iconic elements like the blue light tunnel. Yeah, uh, add in more special effects like uh, that surround the track itself. It's a ben, tricky one. Ben, do you like Florida's version or California's version better? I think they're two totally different rides. They absolutely are. But I, I think asked Florida's a question. version stop is dodging a, it. Stop being a politician. <clears throat> Florida's version as a coaster is much better. That's probably fair. Although the coaster is rough as hell, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's an arrow. I mean, but yeah. I am not nearly as fond of the Florida one. I've been on the Paris one. It's sweet. I don't. I you know, to me, it's that's a it's rock and roller coaster. Uh, there, there's just something about the Florida version of Space Mountain that the as bad as it is and how bad it stayed all these years and they haven't done anything about it at this point. I'm like, don't do anything about it. Keep it as it is. You, you're, you're, igno- it's almost like I feel about the speedway. The reason I didn't touch the speedway is it's almost like at this point, uh, they're mocking us. They, they know we all want it changed <laughs> and they're like, no, we're keeping this the way it is. And I, you know, no, but I'm, I'm done I wouldn't mind Mountain if it was Space Mountain. Yep. The Florida version. I'm done with it. I think it, it, uh, it's had its time. I think it's uh, probably structurally not far off from where Disneyland was when it uh, collapsed and was closed for two years. Maybe that's jo- a little bit extreme. But <laughs> Josh, um, do, you, do you know of any other people that can host a show with us? <laughs> nope, I'm the only one. I got the Gary. Bear, the bear is moved on to the next old. town. Gary's uh, cool with Space Mountain, right? Yeah, he loves it. He would. Be, yeah. <laughs> 
He's writing a lot uh, of people that are, right now. Dear that are in the dark. <laughs> there is a uh, bear roaming my uh, uh, my town, um, but it has moved on to the next town. It's uh, moving on up. Um, so moving away from Space Mountain, which you guys clearly don't agree with. There was that was a hell of a drop with no context or explanation, Tim. No, there was there was a uh, a bear roaming free in my town, and it has since moved on to the neighboring town. I thought he was calling Gary a bear. No. <laughs> uh, well, maybe so, I don't know. Gary's, uh, <laughs> I think, what's referred to as a power bottom. Moving <laughs> on. Uh, yeah, my budget for that. I, I spent 150 million on that. Uh, I think I said that before. Uh, added capacity zero, so I'm really, uh, really hitting my uh, <laughs> initial goal pretty well. Uh, Carousel of Progress update. Um, this is if if we thought about it with any uh, uh, someone, so this is probably going to be on all of ours as something that we that we do. Uh, at the beginning of this show, we uh, threw out an idea of. Every 40 years going the 1900s, 1940s, 1980s in the future, uh, I'll stick with that. But I would take really any uh, appropriate update to Carousel of Progress, even if it's just the last scene. Um, I threw a ridiculous budget at it at $50 million. I think that's way too high to uh, to update that attraction. I mean, it's basically three stage plays that you would have right. to, you know, well, three stages you'd have to set. You're putting those massage chairs in for every seat, right? Yeah. So we can yeah. relax while we're taking our naps in there. But I figured that you'd have uh, nothing but like the Navi Shaman level animatronics and all the scenes, so you'd have really uh, some expensive equipment in there. Will Will you awesome. have Will you have the pits that they can go down in when they break, and you can have video screens uh, to portray the mom and dad in each scene? Like the I'm just going to get really big. Uh, 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 screens across the entire thing and just eliminate all the animatronics. <laughs> but to be uh, as inefficient as possible, it's going to be all iPhones and it's just going to be webbed <laughs> together uh, as a big screen. But it's just going to be a bunch of mini iPhones. That I would pay. I would pay anything for that final scene to be just seven people in that family sitting in the living room all looking down at their phones for ten minutes. <laughs> the future is funny. The future's great, Dad. Yep. So uh, so far, I have spent. Uh, let's see, three hundred fifty million dollars with a net gain of one speedway attraction. Um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> uh, so next twenty five million dollars, character meet and greets. Uh, Third in speedway. The, <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did you, I, I missed what you said. I said third speedway. <laughs> Third speedway. There we go. Um, I'm taking the uh, the stitch place and putting a centralized character area. Uh, in, in Tomorrowland because I Ooh. couldn't come up with anything better that fits in that space right now. Um, I do bad. think that I do think that long term that the best solution for that space is to probably knock part of that building down. Oh. But I'll your, fix it, your Josh. Story, I got your it. Josh, is really I got sad it. to me. What's that? So, so I, I've got I this. In, don't worry. I've got this covered. For let's okay, just okay, let okay. him tell his bad ideas, and we'll okay. get to me in a minute. <laughs> So uh, th- that area is bigger than the Anna and Elsa meet and greet area. My grandmother be- stood in that room that you're trying to pull those. <laughs> <laughs> she was a big fan of Stitch. Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> no, but she liked the moon. Yeah. We spread um, her ashes. She in got there. arrested for it. <laughs> so I've uh, I- I've put in uh, another three to three fifty uh, added capacity for my character meet and greet area. Um, oh. All right, so the next next few things are a little bit more substantial. Uh, so I've moved out of Tomorrowland. 
they announced the 2017 D23 Expo adding a theater to Main Street USA. Uh, by all accounts, this has been canceled, and I think that this needs to be dusted off. I think the Magic Kingdom needs a theater like this. Uh, they didn't announce a capacity for it, but I just looked up the Hyperion Theater in DCA, which is a pretty sizable one, and that can get 1,984 guests. Uh, one of the things from uh, a capacity increase standpoint that I like is those types of attractions that don't necessarily draw more people in, but can absorb people that were already there. Uh, yep. And I don't think a show, uh, no matter how good it is, is likely to move the needle attendance wise. So you can have a rotating show here. You can have something fixed. I mean, my favorite show uh, that they did over at the Hyperion theater in California adventure was the Aladdin show. Uh, I'd love for that, but um I also like the idea of multi-purpose theaters, but when we get into Hollywood Studios, I think that's a concept more befitting of that park. Um, rather than like the black box ride, having uh, stage shows and entertainment budgets towards whatever the latest movie is. Um, but anyway, uh, putting out the uh, Town Square Theater, uh, I put in a budget of $75 million for a theater. Um, so uh, That seems low. I was Except you're not it's high for a theater. They're they're just building the structure. It's not necessarily for the uh, uh, for the entertainment itself. But looking at what we had for uh, that Epcot budget, there was a Doctor Strange show listed there. Yes, uh, people, the people, the show that went to California Adventure was originally slated for Epcot, um, and that budget was lower. And I'm also spending fifty million dollars on Carousel of Progress, so I'm guessing I can probably borrow some from that if need be. Um, but that does give a significant capacity increase as well. Uh, next up, over in Adventureland, I'm getting rid of the Swiss Family Treehouse. Do either of you object to that? Are you getting rid of the tree or just the treehouse? My childhood uh, objects it. to it. The whole tree, okay. That's, that's, where, uh, that's where the Moana Aquatopia attraction is going to be. Uh, you guys were wondering where I was going to put an Aquatopia attraction. You know what was going to happen. Um, so, so I figured Moana was a, a good IP to tie into it. Um, you can throw in some additional water effects to it. Uh, I have no idea what those what those rides cost, but it's a it's a flat ride, so a hundred million dollars is a good way for Disney to blow money on a flat ride. Um, so that's what we're doing, replacing the treehouse, and then uh, I'm moving on to my bigger area of how I'm going to mess up Liberty Square. Um, so how do you guys feel about the uh, like the Liberty Square Frontierland area? Are you I, I'm sure we all like the attractions in it. Uh, do you have any opinions on the area itself? I think it's cool. I think it's, you know, the, one of the neatest stories that I remember learning when I was first getting nerdy about Disney was how they had the, the poop trail running through the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of a theming 101 kind of uh, environment. And I, and I appreciate it for that. But at the same time, I don't consider it to be sacred. I, yeah. I think it's... I mean, no one's probably on the show going to be more pro-liberty than me. But at the same time, look, this place is about escapism. And it's just flirting maybe a little too much with divisiveness. Uh, at this point, if we're if the objective here is to make the company run better and to please guests, does it have to be there? I don't, I don't really think it does. It probably should be there. But I, it, this is one thing that I'd probably be willing to concede. Do you agree with the... Uh point that there's a little bit of redundancy with the American Adventure Pavilion. Yeah, but at the same time, 
depending on what point in history you ask the question, trying to understand the difference between Tomorrowland and Future World could be tricky too. I mean, oh, I agree, and I, I hate that redundancy as well. I think that at the end of the day, there's only so many general ideas. You know, there's yep. infinite like sub ideas that all can be sort of traced back to certain principles. But um, there's there's a lot of when you start talking about optimism, which certainly exists in the in the context of reality at Epcot, or at least it did, uh, versus <laughs> fantasy. The thing they share in common is that it's this aspirational sort of thing where we're trying to get to what we really want. So within the realm of positivity, you're going to sort of over the Venn diagram has some overlapping spots. You know, I don't I don't think that's bad. I, the thing that I keep coming back to when we have these sort of really nuanced discussions is let's just focus on telling really good stories. And if it ends up being right. some overlap between parks, let's just take that as a cost of, of achieving our goal. Ben, did you have any thoughts on Liberty square before I shit all over it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would Tim shits on Liberty. <laughs> I was going to say, I, th- I think I've taken the hall of presidents out of the magic kingdom on multiple uh, yeah, I think I think we all shows have. here. So, and if you I'm take not, that out, I'm then not, why would you keep Liberty Square? You know, I mean, it's that, just, that's, that's kind of the, the crux of it. Now, when my but, Hamilton show goes in there, uh, <laughs> I want Liberty Square to stay. But uh, if you're not going to spend some money on that, then no. Uh, if you got a better idea, it wouldn't it wouldn't kill me to uh, I see think, this. I area think you'll go. like my idea for Hall of Presidents replacement. Oh boy, uh, jo- Josh might not, but Ben will. Hall of Kings. <laughs> Yes, it's just King George. Uh, Hall of Totality. If this is Hall of Red Sox, I'm closing my computer and leaving the show right now. It's just a guy in the back yelling, Noma. Uh, It's just a big green wall. Yeah. So uh, I view Liberty Square and Frontierland as tough themes to expand upon, Uh, but they are home to some of the best attractions that Disney has ever done. I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're the only lands that rely on both the passage of time and distance to uh, identify the placemaking within the land. So as you go along the main drag with the interruption being Splash Mountain, uh, you've got the passage of time as well as the passage of space moving further west in uh, the United States. Uh, you kind of begin in the New England, Pennsylvania area and Liberty Square and uh, I guess technically end out in California um, with Frontierland or the, maybe not uh, maybe not California, but like Yosemite area. Um, is it Utah that the... Uh, Florida version of Thunder is based off of? Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the things that we've identified on the show is when you create a, a specific themed land and then you add to it, it's very difficult to do so without diluting it. So yeah. I wanted to come up with a better a better approach to this area. Um, and so I, I still think there is a spot in the Magic Kingdom for Americana. And... Uh, it's along the rivers of America. Lean into the Mississippi River as kind of the uh, the overarching theme, but as just everything's along the Mississippi River, it doesn't necessarily need to geographically be there. But it's the stretch from the Haunted Mansion all the way to Splash Mountain is going to be kind of an Americana theme, and I don't want to call it Americana. I think that was a little too on the nose. Uh, so I did a little bit of digging, and I guess the first. Uh, plan for the second uh, stateside resort that Disney was going to build was in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was called Riverfront Square. So that's the name I'm going with. So uh, from Haunted Mansion as a horseshoe to um, 
uh, to the new Splash Mountain uh, the Princess and the Frog attraction. I'm calling it Riverfront Square. And the thing I wanted to lean into here are a bunch of different food options. You have uh, four restaurants in that area that can be themed to different types of food around the country. Uh, you kind of already have the seafood uh, section in the Liberty Square. You can do uh, barbecue. You can do New Orleans near... Um, uh, I'm, I'm ruining Pecos Bill, by the way, Ben. But don't worry, I'm, I'm making up for it. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can you can t- change Pecos Bill into Tiana's and have kind of the uh, the New Orleans section, but a lot of uh, focus on restaurants because I think aside from Pecos Bill, the other three restaurants in there: Diamond Horseshoe is seasonal, uh, Columbia Harbor House, and um, what's the one I'm forgetting? Uh, there's there's another restaurant there besides Columbia Harbor House. The other sit down. The- um, I'm trying to think Liberty, of tr- Liberty Tree. Liberty yeah, Tree. Thank it. you. Thank you. We are experts at Disney. <laughs> yes, we, yeah. we, we, we like Disney. If only this was in my notes, it probably is. Uh, anyway, um, you, you have the kitchens there. Uh, rethemes to those areas, uh, hitting on uh, whatever you want your American fare to be. And I don't want like the, the shitty pizza or shitty burgers that they have in the parks, but like uh, genu- genuine burgers. If you want to do a pizza place, you can lean into the various types of pizza around the country. You can have uh, you know a pizza place that has both Chicago and New York style pizza in it, things like that. Um, so a big focus on food in that area and have the loose tie-in be Americana and the Mississippi River uh, because that would allow you to tie in things that don't necessarily have to follow a chronology, don't necessarily have to follow a geographic location, uh, and you can be a little bit more loose with the, uh, with the theme. And one of the other things that I just made a note of that I thought was interesting, because I started with the Haunted Mansion, that if I was going to change themes here, where would the Haunted Mansion be redistricted to? And if you look around the world, uh, it is in New Orleans Square in California. It's in Fantasyland in Tokyo. It's in Frontierland at Phantom Manor in Paris. And uh, I was actually thinking that perhaps we redistrict Haunted Mansion into Frontierland because technically uh, Haunted Mansion is closer to the entrance uh, Ooh, to Big Thunder Mountain. You could Mountain. call it scary mandering. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm here Thank all week. You. He'll, he'll be here all week. Tip your waitress. <laughs> be sure to try the fries. God. Um, so uh, one of the thoughts that I had was, all right, can we redistrict Haunted Mansion into Frontierland? But I think I'm going to keep it in my uh, uh, riverfront square land. But uh, Tom Sawyer Island and the Rivers of America, uh, we're going we're gonna to start uh, uh, cutting some of those things off. And if you want to get to Tom Sawyer Island, you are no longer going to need a raft. Uh, there is going to be a connection from Big Thunder Mountain to the existing Haunted Mansion. Um, and so you're, that's going to require part of the river being filled. It's going to require the Liberty Square Riverboat to get permanently docked. Uh, I'm going to put that new dock next to Splash Mountain, and that's going to be used for live music. So out This in is Disneyland- much less offensive to me than the disaster that you did over in Tomorrowland. <laughs> Uh, they, what they did in uh, Disneyland when Princess and the Frog came out is they had like a high energy New Orleans jazz show called Tiana Showboat Jubilee. Uh, I think a permanently docked riverboat would be a great venue for just live music to add additional life to that area. Um, so what I'm thinking is, uh, where that we have the portion of Splash Mountain that goes under the bridge that is your pathway to Splash Mountain and Thunder Mountain. Uh, you've got, 
a lower dock area and you'd build that dock out and you'd put uh, the permanently docked Liberty Square Riverboat there as kind of a visual element along the water. Over to Tom Sawyer Island, I think it's actually the biggest, most inefficient use of space in the entire Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, when was the last time you were there? Uh, when, when did you go over to Tom Sawyer Island last? 20 years ago. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to cry over this one. So I, th- I think that it's, it's ripe for more expansion than what I was going to do. Um, there's two islands there. Uh, the one that's closest to the mainland is where the bulk of things are. I'm going to leave that one as is, but you're not going to take a raft to get over there. Uh, there's going to be a pathway built. And yeah, we may have bridges to get there, but uh, it will be its own island, and you can still Wait, explore that. Is it going to be Tom Sawyer's Peninsula? Like, what's, what's <laughs> well, if you if you've got it like on a like a rope bridge over to get it, still call it an island. We'll count I mean, it. Yep. Can, <laughs> from a technicality standpoint, yes, but it's uh, it we doesn't have, have a speed ramp though. We got to draw the lights. Yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> so I'm still calling it Tom Sawyer Island. It's still going to be part of Frontierland. But Frontierland's footprint is going to be smaller. It's not going to have that main drag. That's all going to be part of my new land. But that's a big uh, overhaul there. Uh, I mentioned Hall of Presidents. This is probably out of place here. But uh, there was a rumor about turning uh, uh, the Muppets into like a Hall. It was a Hall of Presidents with the Muppets, which in itself I didn't like. But uh, if either of you have seen the Great Moments in American History show, uh, I, I really enjoy that show, and I would like to make that a full stage show with the Muppets and put that in the current facility by the Hall of Presidents and not limit it to just like the Revolutionary War period, but just having them talk about uh, uh, the movement to the West. Uh, so lean into the history of America. Um, it can be your whitewashed Disney version of America, but if it's told by the Muppets, I think there's be a little bit more forgiving of it. Um, and you can tell stories of uh, America's success, that sort of stuff, uh, expansion west, the value of the Mississippi River. Um, I, it ties in as well because Kermit was born in the swamp in Mississippi. I looked that up as well. <laughs> <laughs> but really just kind of taking the seriousness out of it, I think, is a big thing. Uh, that the Hall of Presidents, we've talked about the the flaws with that attraction a hundred times in the show. Yeah. and. Uh, using that as a just a general opera house. It doesn't have to be the Muppets. It could be exactly what Ben said, and I don't know if that was a tongue-in-cheek commentary, but if you want to have uh, uh, Broadway uh, uh, writers come in and do a show that's about Americana, fine, I'm on board with that as well. I, I wasn't joking. I'm shocked that's not a Hamilton stage show yet, especially with them being in partnership with Lin-Manuel Miranda and they probably will be for years to come. So all of this uh, moving stuff around, kind of having to fill in some of the uh, uh, the, the water in um, the rivers of America, uh, I gave it a budget of $450 million. And Holy there's n- moly. And there, there's no attraction in there. So I, I really would have no idea what all of that would cost. It could be done for a third of that for all I know. But uh, I figured that I'd, ra- I'd rather be on the side of doing it right. So the last piece of what I had here is this, all of that maneuvering gave access to a, uh, a big plot of land that is now part of frontier land. And uh, I'm leaning in. I want to go Western river expedition with an adjacent new Pecos bill restaurant next to it. Uh, 
So the additional $400 million that I'm spending on that uh, will be of changing the footprint of uh, Frontierland, giving a uh, brand new boat ride that has significant capacity. Because again, I, I got to check all the boxes that we do here: Aquatopia and now Shanghai Pirates Tech uh, for the Western River Expedition. Um, but that's how I'm finishing it off, and it's something that's deep into the park can get through. Those things can do like two thousand to twenty five hundred guests per hour. Uh, People aren't going to be banging down the door to do Western River Expedition from a, uh, this is a theme that we're familiar with, but if it's a great attraction and using that ride system, it should be, uh, it should be able to eat a lot of people. And what, what's the IP that's based on? It's not. Oh, so they're I, I figured, not doing I figured that. throwing, uh, throwing Moana in Adventureland, uh, satisfied that <laughs> Muppets everywhere else. So that was really the only non IP attraction that I did, but it was certainly the most expensive thing that I'm, that I'm doing. And I'm, I'm giving Pecos Bill a, uh, a new place so that Tiana can get her own restaurant as well. So I did right. break down a timeline here. Uh, I had Western River Expedition opening in 2034 and the other things just kind of trickling through over the, uh, the decade that preceded it. But, um, I came in at 1.4 billion, uh, and a total net capacity increase of, including Tron, of 6,450 guests per hour for, uh, for rides. It's pretty so, good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Not bad. Not bad. Okay, Ben, talk. <laughs> uh, you'll need to do the math on the capacity and all that crap for me because I didn't, I, I, you know, I'm a film major. We don't do math in college. So, okay, got it. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I took a slightly different approach, I think, I feel. Uh, I, I kind of feel like I went with the uh, people that are in charge now, still probably being in charge 10 years from now. Uh, and no, there's so, been a coup. <clears throat> I, I hope so. That's that's <laughs> fine by me. Uh, but, you know, the time frame, based on the, on, you know, the, the, the lifespan of Disney CEOs that seem to be in this company, it's not... Uh, ridiculous to think that Chapek wouldn't still be in charge at this point uh, down the line. Uh, if anything, Disney CEOs find a great way to find scapegoats over things that don't work, and those are the guys that get fired. Uh, He's yet. probably got five to ten years on the job, is my prediction. Yeah, so I went with the, you know, I don't know, something something about the, the current regime doesn't necessarily worry about aesthetics as much as we would like. They don't oh, care about... Not. No, they're more about put, put rides in places, put put people in their, uh, you know, gift shops, sell stuff. And I do, you know, I, I, I did go that route for several of the ideas of adding capacity because I do think that we are facing a time where once all the restrictions are gone, uh, once capacity is allowed to go back to full bore, Disney's going to do everything they can to cram as many people in each one of these parks to try to recoup as much money as they've lost over this time period as they, as they can. So the only way to counter that moving forward is to add attractions, add capacity to eat those people up so it doesn't uh, – the, the walkways don't look like the 4th of July every single day. Can I play day. devil's advocate to something you just said? Yep. I would not be surprised if Bob Chapek's new approach is not to maximize guests in the park but to have less guests and charge them way more. What if he had more guests and charged them way more? That is entirely possible as well. <laughs> I, I I can see all three scenarios uh, possibly playing out. So, I mean, let's face it the the price elasticity of a Disney ticket seems to be a mystery. 
because mm-hmm. the company keeps jacking the prices up and the attendance numbers keep going to the roof. So if you try to apply any sort of, you know, economic model to that, the thing that you're going to do is, I mean, if you want, if, if the problem you're having is that too many customers want to buy what you're selling, that you can't serve them all and your choices are spend money and to have less of them or simply, you know, produce less and charge them all more, it's a pretty easy choice to make. So I, that's sort of what I'm saying is that a lot of what Tim and I said is going to be, would be a really, really tall order when it seems like what the company can do is just ask for more and more money and, and have people forking it over to them. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's good. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. No, I got, I got nothing, nothing important at least. All right. So, <laughs> uh, so, the way I feel is, especially since this project doesn't take into account uh, any of the stuff that's already announced and already being built. Uh, that's that's the Splash Mountain redo. That's Tron. I feel, right, right. And, and with us coming off of a pandemic with park closures, extended park closures around the world for long periods of time, I feel like we're getting nothing until 2025. That's the first time on my timeline that I see them okay. actually building something new. Uh, and you know, something being announced and something, something going in there. So I'm resting on my laurels a little bit. We're going to have the celebration. They're going to ride that out for a little while. They're going to have two new, you know, uh, one redo and one brand new attraction in the parks. That's going to, they're going to think that's enough until 2025. And even when it hits 2025, we're not going to go crazy. We're still going to kind of baby step this in there as, uh, in my opinion, we start to approach, uh, you know, the 60th anniversary at that point in 2031. So, 2025, I've budgeted $50 million for a new fireworks show. Okay. Uh, that seems high. Maybe. I don't know. There may be one before that as well. There's discussion of one for the 50th. What does that mean when you say – you're not talking about actually buying any fireworks, right? Because that would be an ongoing expense. You're talking right. about so, just the design of the show and infrastructure? I Design of the show and infrastructure, and part of that infrastructure includes doing what they did in Paris – and putting a water show in the waterways around in front of the castle and incorporating that into the new show. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but the yeah, uh, excellent. the water fountains that work in there, it's kind of like a mini Fantasmic at that point, or probably what they're doing with uh, you know over at Epcot, incorporating some of those water effects uh, into a new show you know, from scratch. So I Can don't I know. Permanent, uh, I've got a uh, hose in my backyard. Yeah. Blow shit up. Shoot lasers. Well, Can we there's have, like, giant tacos on the, on the water? Yep. <laughs> yep. So, you know, yeah, I guess if they don't do one for the 50th, this is my uh, this is okay. my plan. Even if they do one for the 50th, you know, that's that's uh, that show will have four years. Maybe we can uh, we can uh, do something new at, at that point. So uh, the other update I have for 2025, though, uh, I'm going to give 75 million to completely redo Buzz Lightyear. Uh, I don't want a new attraction there. I, I'm fine with Buzz being the the deal, but I'm tired of riding a ride where I spend the first four or five, uh, you know, the, the 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 first half of that first room trying to figure out where the hell my laser is because the <laughs> lasers are so faint. Uh, uh, pew pews, by the way. The pew pews <laughs> are so faint on the car. Uh, the and, and the show scenes are cute, but they're not they're not classic. They're not you know no, they're none not. of us would care if they were gone. So. When you see what they've done around the world, I know we crapped on web slingers for the longest time already, but you know, even in Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, the tech at least is far advanced than what we have with our version of Buzz Lightyear. It's the oldest and it feels that way. And I wouldn't mind seeing that thing gutted with a just more modern take on Buzz Lightyear. I mean, the ride still is extremely popular. So there is a, I, there is a neat, you know, I, I think, 
there's a need for that attraction still to be in that space, but there's so much more uh, they could do. It'd just be so much more impressive, especially in an area that's supposed to be based around, you know, the future. And we're using technology that is very antiquated at this time. So I'm putting 75 million to, to go in over there and, and, and redo that little corner of Tomorrowland. Can I put in an ask? ask. Is the stitch space about the same size as the, uh, is that space is? No, it's smaller. It's smaller because I think yeah. you could actually build the new one and leave the old you, one running and then uh, switch you, spaces. You don't want to do that Uh-oh. when you hear my upcoming idea. Trust Ooh. me. Can, can we have different colored uh, pew pews for Buzz I would, Lightyear? I would love that. I'm never going to be comfortable with Tim calling them that. <laughs> uh, also, his his first idea was uh, the boom booms and boom, then oh my gosh. Fix, boom booms, and then we're fixing the pew pews. Okay. Tim is doing a lot of damage to me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to take us into 2026. Okay. And this one might be thinking out of the box a little bit, uh, but it's not too far off on um, one of Josh's ideas. We're going to go out to the TTC. Yes. And we're going to add something to the TTC that, based on some breaking news tonight, might be a terrible idea, but we're going to figure <laughs> it out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put a Skyliner station out there. Okay. Where's it going? Well, I would like to connect some Bottom of the, of the lagoon. <laughs> yeah, I would like to connect some of the western uh, areas of, of, of the 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 land out there. I'm thinking something that connects Animal Kingdom Lodge, Grand Destino Tower, some of the more expensive resorts. I think you need it's pools. If if those resorts, uh, you know, have cool transportation, it's it's more of a reason to maybe book one of the nicer resorts. So I'm thinking something that connects those. Two resorts that have, you know, they just kind of sit out there on their own a little bit right now, especially Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom, you know, having something at the lodge or at the park itself that connects over to the Magic Kingdom, especially considering how early that park closes and will probably continue to close, makes sense to get people to a park that traditionally stays open later at night. But here's my catch on the Skyliner route. It's not going to just take you to the TTC. Whatever the line, there's going to be a point that merges and then... They that line is going to take the guests to the t- so kind of like how the, the 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 several resorts all go to certain pinch points and you get sometimes you have to switch and go to a different line to to go to that resort. You're gonna you're gonna have a spot where you need to switch and get on the Magic Kingdom line, and yep. from that spot the Magic Kingdom line is gonna wrap around the Magic Kingdom. Okay, it's it's gonna it's gonna give you the feel of the old Skyway buckets. It's gonna mm. wrap around the Magic Kingdom. There's a lot Go. of roofs that are going to need to be pressure cleaned. That's fine. <laughs> that, that that we can put that in the budget, but it's gonna. I think a lot of us love that. We always love the the you know the kinetic energy that the parks used to have, and obviously it's been gone for many years now with the buckets, uh, the skyways leaving. But if done right, you can bring some of that magic back and. I think it would be some awesome viewpoints if you were to out go you know go across the water or go around the edges of the water. Maybe you maybe you enter back you know to the to the left of the Grand Floridian and come through the backside over there. Uh, but wrap around tomorrow uh, uh, Fantasyland, wrap around Tomorrowland, and then come back out to the TTC, and that's where you'll uh, exit the bucket, and then at that point take a monorail, take a boat, whatever you need to do. I'm still I'm not going to make it that easy on these people. They still got to. <laughs> <laughs> they still got to take one of those uh, other modes of transportation and get back across the water. But that's the price you pay to have those cool views of the Magic Kingdom uh, riding the skyline that way. So uh, I thought that could be fun. I think at that point, it, it, there's if the Skyliner uh, stays popular and, and continues to be a draw and hopefully 
works better and doesn't crash uh, all the time. We could uh, we could do something like that. Now the budget for that, I saw numbers all over the place for how much it costs per mile. Uh, plus you have to add the stations that have to be built. You know, I'm thinking somewhere in the 75 to 100 million dollar range uh, it would cost to, to do something like this. I have no idea if that's if that's right on the nose, if that's you know one tenth of the cost. I have no idea what the Skyliner costs. I know that it's significantly cheaper than the monorail. So um, yeah. So, yep, it's technically not a Magic Kingdom attraction, but it brings some of that old school Magic Kingdom energy back to the park uh, by by doing this. So uh, what Josh was- and Ben don't know is that I'm going to propose that we do an infrastructure update as a separate podcast, and I'm going to use all my budget for that. Don't oh. wasting their Magic Kingdom budget. <laughs> not fair. <laughs> so we have one other attraction, 2026. This is going to take us over to the Stitch, Stitch's Great Escape. Okay. Uh, Meet and greet. Nope, it's not a meet degree. It's going to be an actual attraction. I'm going to tell you the attraction that I'm going to put in there, and then I'm going to tell you my fantasy that would never get approved, but I think it would really make Josh happy. Is your fantasy uh, Disney appropriate, or is it totally unrelated? <laughs> uh, it's Disney appropriate. Uh, we're going to leave the theaters as they are. There are going to okay. be seats in there. I'm going to rip out the uh, you know the the restraints that are over your neck, uh, but we're gonna, we're going to have that same kind of setting. The the circle the most part of your fantasy. <laughs> yep, <laughs> circle in the round uh, uh, setting in there, and this is going to be a wall e attraction. What about the circle in the square? Uh, circle in the square that works too. <laughs> uh, I support this idea so far. This could be a wall e attraction. Uh, the the main gist of this is kind of the space ballet, the scenes where they're kind of dancing through space, uh, interacting with each other, almost like in a flirting fashion that happens early in that movie uh, when they first meet. And the thought is to, uh, I think the Kuka arms have probably been removed, but let's put them back up there and find a way to put an audio animatronic Wally and an audio animatronic Eve on the ends of those arms and darken that room and recreate those settings and that feeling. Uh <laughs> I think it would be – it's a sweetheart attraction. I don't know. you know. Obviously, it's a, it's not your classic e-ticket thrill ride, but if you can recreate that feeling with some amazing audio animatronics in there, uh, you know, it, say what you want about the Stitch attraction. The Stitch audio animatronic was really cool was to look at. And, you know, going on that kind of level, the music, the feeling, the settings, you don't have to do a whole lot in there uh, to repurpose for – you know, an attraction that doesn't get a whole lot of love in the parks, but I think has a pretty pretty nice fondness with the with the fan base that's out there. And uh, so that was my thought for that one. I don't know if you guys, uh, before I tell you my fantasy, uh, had any thoughts on the the Wally replacement. I think that's so, a endearing character that is sort of can't lose with it. It's going to appeal to a very broad base of people, which is the thing that you know. What did they name that carousel when they tried to make it more appealing to uh, to guys? I forgot, but it was sort of silly, you know. But this is a. Yeah. That's a property they have that I think sort of uh, rises above any gender-specific appeal. So I think it would make sense to put that in there. And you do it in both theaters, uh, and you just kind of rotate people in there. This isn't a long attraction, but again, we at this point, we're needing things to pull people in and set them down for a few minutes and, and then push them through. So uh, the, the double capacity on this attraction is appealing to me as well, especially in the early stages of it being open. Obviously, we see anything new that opens has a – has a nice long line for a little while, and uh, with the with the two show theaters in there, uh, it so can you, help. So you're saying, help do that. So you wouldn't you wouldn't have a pre show the way it used to be then. You would have both theaters be the main that, show. Uh, no, I you I, I haven't thought out how the pre show would go uh, just yet. Maybe it is a scene where it's Wally by himself for a little bit, and he you know discovers Eve, 
And that's that's when that when we hit that point where he first meets Eve is when we go into the theater and see their initial interactions with each other. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I would definitely do something in that in that pre-show area. I wouldn't change any of the layout of that of those spaces. It would okay. stay the same, just repurposed to to a new uh, new story. Gotcha. My dream for this area though is something I would call Walt Disney's Tomorrowland. Okay. Got my attention. And this again, using the same theater setup, is going to be a repurpose of the technology that we love over at the Epcot Preview Center. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, a, that's an amazing show for anyone who hasn't seen it. The and story it tells is horrific, but the way that it's told <laughs> is glorious. And it's nothing but flat surface using projection mapping. Yep. Okay. That turns ordinary spaces into amazing environments. And so I'm thinking with that one, you know, you have the model in front of you, you have the video screen behind you. This obviously would take place primarily above you. Design some areas in there that, that protrude, you know, just different designs on the walls, different, different things that give some shape and depth to the walls that you can then use for the projection mapping and tell the story of Walt Disney's Tomorrowland from the past to the present to the future. Uh, and that that's I would love to look back love at it. some of the some of the stuff that he discussed, you know, on his TV shows, some of the design of early Tomorrowland, some of the stuff that we see on film today, and then look to the words of the future of, you know, what technology is changing, how 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 at some point people, you know, probably by this time people you know, will have our first people entering space uh, on, on commercial uh, flights and things like that. As well as look at the Tomorrowlands around the world. This is a perfect spot to just have to think everything's on uh, fair game in there, but I want it based, especially primary at the beginning of Walt and, and just his love and his passion for the space and the future and technology and try to tell that story of, uh, of how it started and how we got to where we are now and, and where we're going. It would never be built. <laughs> I, it's something that, uh, the, 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 I don't Can think- I interest you in a meet and greet? Yeah. I, th- I, I, your meet and greet would definitely be built before this idea would be built, but those Why? Thi- I, I, don't, I, I think that's a great idea. They don't like Walt. Oh, Current well. administration I, doesn't, doesn't I like I feel Walt. that same way. Uh, and so, but these theaters would make for a, a wonderful use of the technology that we found and have fallen in love with oh, at yeah. the Epcot no, Review Center. So uh, I, I, I think we can repurpose what's already there pretty easy uh, in one way or another. So... Uh, that takes us to 2020. That isn't uh, a hard sell to Josh or myself, I don't think. No. I think that's a pretty easy yeah. sell to both of us. Yeah, we're, we're uh, in, buddy. I, I, and I, honestly, I really like my Wally attraction. I think uh, there's just something cute and quaint. Wally about should be in Tomorrowland. That yeah, idea. And yeah. the, just mixing the music from that film and just uh, the, 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 the space dancing that they did. It just takes, I love that scene in the movie. And I just, I think you can really recreate that whole feeling in those, in those areas. Uh, I did take years off uh, because okay. Disney tends to take years off. So we've invested quite a bit in two years. So 2027, we're taking a year off because in 2028, we're spending $250 million on a main street theater. <laughs> your, your budget is a lot higher than mine. Well, gold plated seats. I I I am what, I, building does it the th- fly. I don't understand what this money is being used <laughs> so for. I'm building the theater, like I'm a movie also, theater. I'm also budgeting in the show that they're going to put in there. Okay. I'm also budgeting the theming of the land and the area 
uh, around it. Uh, you're going to make an extension off of me. So I don't want just yeah, some no, side fair. street that leads to a theater that stands out there. I want an extension of Main Street, and I want the extension to lead all the way to the theater and all the way out of the theater. So uh, that could be adding some shops. That could be adding some, you know, uh, uh, concessions in and around the theater before you yeah. enter to go in there. So is this I'm, in that backstage corridor area that's there? The park, that the, about yeah, the, the yeah, parking okay. lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's my price on there. That's the theater. That's the show. And I want Hyperion theater quality. The I, I want this to yeah. be the nicest theater they have ever built in a park. Uh, be, I, you know, it, the Aladdin show out at, at DCA for the longest time was our absolute favorite thing to do. Yep. Uh, and a lot of it was because that theater was amazing. You, you you did not feel like you were in a theme park when you entered those uh, that area. So yeah, it's a Broadway type theater, Ben. It's, if, it's or, or, without sorry, a doubt. Josh. Yeah. So that's that's why the price tag is so big. I w- it's almost like building a mini land uh, that that I want to incorporate in there. Okay. Uh, we're also going to spend fifty million dollars down the street because we're going to need a new eatery. Uh, we haven't had that at all uh, in any of my plans. We're going to take the noodle station and we're going to enclose that and we're going to build a badass new quick service location okay. in there. Like that'll that. uh, that'll serve Tomorrowland. It'll serve everything. Its capacity again goes up. It's it's. Dining already right now is quite crammed. I uh, I hate walking into Cosmic Rays and you see the line to the back window uh, for every station. Where there's definite need for for more quick service locations throughout the parks, and I think you can. Th- this is it's not quite far enough into Tomorrowland that you can't repurpose that back towards Main Street and True, yeah. make this an extended area uh, and entrance into in, into there from this new theater area. So, are we going to uh, call the restaurant the Purple Wall? The purple, yeah, we are getting rid of the purple wall. That's the best part about it. That's, <laughs> I'm still I, trying I, to figure out why a stage show venue costs more than a B2 bomber. Because <laughs> Disney is very inefficient. What, what is the expense going? I'm, I'm not arguing. I don't. I just something I have know nothing about. I'm just trying to get a sense of what what's going to cost all this money. Uh, the quality focus of the, groups. The folk, yeah. The quality of the theater is well, I mean, part of this. Is I don't know how much it will cost to <laughs> come up with a brand new show. And if okay. you've seen, okay, if you've so seen you, the, you have show development in there as yeah, well. So yeah, show, when you talk yeah. about the theater, are you talk about actually creating ta- a brand new production and building all yes. of it. Like, okay, I see. Yes. So sets, the 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 design, the the, the concept of the show, whatever it takes. If you ever saw the Aladdin show at DCA, this is not your tip. It was not your typical theme park show. This was like like Tim said, it was Broadway. It had the flying carpet that flew out over the audience up into the. Gotcha. So the, you're not the, building the, a black box here. You're building the no. black box and the show to go in it. Yeah. Yes, and okay. and the surrounding areas. It's is again. We're gotcha. gonna we're gonna make a mini. Main Street, because if you've ever been in that parking lot like I have to go get my shitty hamburgers while I'm on my break from the Jungle Cruise, it's <laughs> junk back there. If you think the rooftops need to be painted, just go back in that area. You can't just put a theater there and be like you know, and some walls around it and think people won't think they're in a backstage area that that was, uh, you know, a, a junk area for for decades at this point. There's a lot of infrastructure in and around the theater that's going to be done to, you know, bring it up to the quality that it needs to be. Uh, OK, so. Yeah, this is my contractor only bid seventy five million on it. Just (laughs) so, but like you said, that was not the cost of a show. That wasn't cost of any. That was that was just for the theater. Uh, So I'm I'm going I'm going whole land here, Uh, and that's why in 2029 we're not doing anything because we're spending all of our money in 2028 on this theater. 
2030, though, this is this is the home run of my my project, my my deal. Got to cut uh, you off. I got my theater out a year earlier and for uh, 175 million dollars cheaper. Just yeah, I got to cut you both off. Is anybody really clamoring for for that? Well, that's part of the appeal to it in the sense yeah. that you're adding significant capacity. Uh, is something would anyone like, do it? Like that's so. That just so I'm, to- I'm just I'm just going to go back to Aladdin again, where you had to line up two hours before the okay. showtime you wanted to see yeah. to get a okay. seat. That's how popular the show was. That's what I want. That level. This y- you. I haven't seen Aladdin on Broadway, but it, I can't think that the Aladdin on Broadway was any better than the theme park version of Aladdin I got to see with my park ticket out there. That's how good that show was. It's different. Uh, I actually like the theme park version better. Uh, and, you know, that's perhaps on the heels of paying like, you know, 200 bucks a ticket for the. Uh, yeah. How long uh, is the, the theme park version of that show? It was, it was 45, 45, 50 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah whereas, that's definitely like, the upper limit of what you could pull off. Like, honestly, that is. It's already better just because it's not two hours long. But you would right. you would you would wait an hour plus in a line outside to get in for said showtime. That's how I've popular been, I've been to a few Broadway was. shows, and I could tell you I'd honestly rather wait in line than be in the show for an extra hour. Like most of those shows I've seen are absolutely awesome. Like the first impression, you know the you know just how big it all is. I mean the you know the production value of these things is incredible. But man, I consider myself have a longer attention span than most. Two hours is way too long. So maybe there is an opportunity there to bring condensed version of classics to the, to people. And yeah. uh, I mean, Josh, I think you would, this, the Hyperion theater, if you walked in there, your jaw would drop. Like they, this it's, it's, they didn't spare a, a penny on the interior of the theater. It's, it's multi-level. What is it? It's three levels, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Tim, yep, three levels. And I mean, it's, it's, it, it's called just like, uh, like a Broadway theater that you've got your mezzanine level, you've got your, your, your orchestra pit level, you know, you mezzanine you're, for those that know how to speak. I said mezzanine, didn't I? What you did said I mezzanine. I'm also a beer or two into the show. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's I actually not your, liked viewing from the mezzanine better than the orchestra. Uh, yeah. As it's well. not like going to see uh frozen sing along in, in that kind of theater no. setup. This is, or the frozen it, show that replaced Aladdin. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, so, that's 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 why it's costing what I think it would cost. Uh, twenty thirty though is my my biggest project, uh, and this is in anticipation of I, I'm, I've got an October first twenty thirty opening date because that's when the sixtieth anniversary is going to start is on October thirtieth you know twenty thirty uh, okay. and, and lead eighteen months after that. Uh, but we already broke the berm in Tomorrowland. You know we went outside the uh, the train tracks. We got Tron. And Tim, you hit on it. it, Breaking the berm would be a good podcast name. We should write that down for Tim's (laughs) next one. (laughs) When he fires us. Uh, You had mentioned Adventureland needed needed some love, and I agree. And we're going to go. I did a Google Maps uh, look at this. There's There's a corner outside the train tracks. Yep, there's a spot in Adventureland. There's a spot out there. And this is going to be Disneyland. Giving Disney World a birthday birthday present for the for the sixtieth, okay. we're getting Indiana Jones Adventure. Mm. I thought about doing the exact same thing, and yep. the way to do it in Florida is pretty much what they did in California, uh, where you have a long queue. In the case of Florida, yep. it would be between uh, Jungle and Pirates. There's like a stretch of land there, and you build it outside of the perimeter of the uh, parks. Yep. So th- is there, there's definitely a way to do it for people that are saying there isn't, and. We're not going clone. This is its own version of it, but we're, this is the biggest and baddest and 
most but technologically it, advanced and it's based on dinosaur <laughs> based on dinosaur hey, well shit if you can have web slingers and Toy Story Mania right down the street from each That's other. True. You can do this. Are we getting web slingers in your version? We are getting web slingers in Honey Mansion. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's 2035. Cobweb slingers. <laughs> uh, so, Tim, what would I, I figured there's a lot of, again, infrastructure that has to be done here. And so I can't base it just on what the price of the attraction would cost. <laughs> and I'm choking on my. Hold on. I'd guess 150 to 200 for that. Really? Yeah. So I'm basing on I'm basing on that Epcot that you gave me, and they mm-hmm. had Cosmic Rewind Rewind at four hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, I mean that's I don't know how they're getting to four hundred fifty million dollars in Cosmic Rewind. I mean I I came up with a hypothetical for that, and I'm going to use my iPhone joke uh, that if they lined because that wall I believe the number was like a hundred thirty something feet tall. If they lined a two hundred foot section of that one hundred thirty foot wall that surrounds that coaster uh, with iPhones, they still wouldn't get to the number of four hundred fifty million dollars. Well, I, I was going to base it on that number. Because that's the only one that I have, uh, and we can argue this all day. But again, this is we're gonna have to rework train tracks. We're gonna have to do a lot of other things. Uh, I was thinking it was around the six hundred million dollar mark. I mean, so if you want to build a six hundred million dollar Indiana Jones ride, it'll be badass as hell, I'm sure. But I mean, the we we need to be blown away by Cosmic ben Rewind chose for, poorly <laughs> for the uh, for that budget to be justified. If you're, I know you're saying it's not a direct clone. But, but it, wouldn't wouldn't an Indiana Jones ride cost more than a roller coaster? It should, yes. but I don't think it. I don't think it's going to. Like, if you were to just do a direct clone of Indiana Jones from California, I'm guessing you're at 150. I, I'm wanting ride system, but I'm not wanting a direct clone. So, okay. uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> somewhere. In I, that I would range. I would say I, you're probably overstated. Okay. But. That's fine. That makes me even cheaper. I'm coming in way cheaper than all of you guys. Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the big one. We're going Indiana Jones in 2030. Okay. That's going to carry us through 2031, where we're not going to do a damn thing. Uh, that's uh, 2032. Budget a little bit of money for a possible fireworks update. We're going to have seven years okay. into uh, my update in 2025. So uh, just a little little update there uh, to, to freshen that up. Again, we're still riding the, the wave of the... 60th anniversary in Indiana Jones, so we're not doing all there. 2033 is my refresh year. Uh, okay. That's that's where I've got about 25 million budgeted for updates to Mansion, updates to Pirates, uh, updates to uh, Peter Pan, and an update to Carousel of Progress because I think they're still not going to update it before then anyway. Probably not. No, <laughs> but uh, about 25 million dollars just to do some plussing across the board there. Uh, and then 2034, my last year, I didn't do anything in the 2035, but we're going to spend about $100 million to finally put uh, uh, something new into Monsters, Inc. I actually think that area could sit quite quiet and dormant for a while. Uh, and even at that point, you know, but, but when we're looking 10 years down the road, that technology is not going to be as impressive uh, as we think it is now, uh, just frankly, because you can do so much of that stuff on your phone, uh, let alone you know, have to wait in line to see it in a show. So I don't have a ride. I don't have a concept for that area, but I think that's a big enough space that that leads itself. Uh, Again, at that point, so many people are hitting Adventureland and that corner of the park with, with, uh, uh, princess of the frog, big thunder pirates, you know, the update to jungle and then Indiana Jones that we're going to actually need to pull people back to Tomorrowland. So, uh, we'll, 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 fit something in there. And I think altogether after you trim my budget 
uh, over several things here and told me I'm an idiot on my prices. Uh, I think we're still <laughs> around the 1.3 to 1.4 billion dollar uh, mark for all these projects. Did you allocate anything for executive bonuses? Yeah, did you add it? <laughs> well, because that's how you get this shit greenlit. Okay, and yeah. to be totally fair, like the $650 million for Indiana Jones, that's pre-budget cuts. I realize it's going to get down to like $300 million. But I'm going to budget. Gonna go I'm gonna, theater. Ask yeah, for gonna, the moon, settle for moon rocks. I can't argue with the strategy. I'm going to budget for and they're going to give me $100 million, so it's cool. But right. <laughs> That's my plan for the Magic Kingdom to save this place. Hire me, hire me now. I'll send my resume to Disney. So uh, you're, you got a, a lot of kind of smaller... Uh, improvements and your big takeaway would have been Indiana Jones. I think my big takeaway would probably be uh, the Frontierland Western River uh, type thing. Jack, what would you call it? The stroller program. (laughs) I would think your monorail expansion is probably the biggest part of your... Yeah. Well, and and the thing is, I tried to stay within the rules of this. I had $150 million in reserve. Obviously, expanding the monorail is something we'll do for the infrastructure show, but... (laughs) That was a joke, but you know... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not doing that show. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at home, my Magic Plus. I mean, infrastructure plays have been things that have historically gotten huge budgets allocated to them. So, if you want a million bucks and you were... Money well spent. You had a time machine five years ago, you could have got it. You know, um, I, 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 forgot, I forgot about the seventy-five million I'm doing to the Frontier Lands shooting gallery. Uh, okay, we're gonna- <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be live bullets, human targets. <laughs> the quote from my theater contractor just came in on that, so he's gonna- out of, the bullets are made out of diamonds. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> the most dangerous game attraction is uh, coming soon. <laughs> Uh, I, I truly love exercises like this because while we're all starting with the same same area, we came up with different ideas. And I, well, you know, there was some similarities and, you know, Josh and I both mentioning the speedway and overhauls there and Ben and I both mentioning the theater. Um, we, we all came up with totally different ideas. And I'm going to encourage people after they listen to the show, hit our, hit our Facebook, hit our Twitter. Yeah, let absolutely. us know, let us know who's magic kingdom you would pay money to go to. And also, <laughs> you know, something to think about that just occurred to me. There's only three of us, and we came up with three wildly different ideas. Mm-hmm. Now imagine a room full of Imagineers who are probably all more creative than us. I guess the one challenge we can never really address that Imagineering actually has to do is figuring out how do you take 10,000 good ideas and figure out what to actually go build. So that's one thing that, unless we get jobs there, we'll never know. But it does. it is somewhat interesting to think that, to a degree, the more better ideas you have – the more difficult it actually becomes to make a decision as to what you what you push. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that is the nature of the show. Uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this one. Uh, we will be continuing this regardless of whether or not you enjoyed it because we don't care because this is fun for us. <laughs> you know, Tim, you, that's one of those things you could feel inside, but you don't need to share. <laughs> oh, no, I have no inside. Th- uh, I have no outside thoughts or inside Excellent. thoughts, whatever the one is that I just didn't do. Anyway, uh, if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. Uh, something, as they just said, uh, 
go into our Facebook group to discuss some of your ideas here, especially if you start with some of the problems we identified and how you'd like to solve them. Uh, whether it's not necessarily going with what we came up with, I'm sure our listeners have their own ideas as well. Um, we'd appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycult.com. Flag Day's coming up, and while it's primarily an American holiday, you can buy all sorts of flags through our Amazon affiliate link. I think I saw one with Nicolas Cage on it. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> cost you anything, but helps fund the show with purchases you could be making anyway. Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water, and you can find my top ten column in every issue of Attractions Magazine. Anything on Inside the Magic anymore? I uh, sold that for Mad Bank a few years ago, so no. Gotcha. Nice. Uh, Josh, same question. Not Utilo- about Inside the Magic, but you know. Utilidors.com. I am neither welcome nor present on any other platform. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find me, www.themeparks.com, www.themeparks on Twitter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Let's just keep telling Tim he's muted when he comes back in the room. Don't respond to him. Just say you're muted, Tim. There we go. There we go. Let's see how this works. Tim, you're muted. Shut up. (laughs) All right. Uh, Is everybody recording locally? You're muted, Tim. No, got it. I, I don't hear him. I think there's something wrong. Tim, can you hear me? I can. Do you do you hear Tim, Josh? Tim, Tim I, I can want, hear you. Can you, you hear me? I can't hear him. Do you want to Facetime Tim? He keeps he keeps asking if we can hear him, but I can't. I can't hear. Well, I'm going to start the show anyway because I'm up. recording myself, and it's it's my turn next. <laughs> this is this is what happened to Eat Ticket, isn't it? You pulled this shit with this him. This is so funny. We can't. I can't hear anything. The old I can't hear you trick. Hey, am I muted? I'm mute, Tim. Huh? What? Tim, you're muted. Ben, can you no, hear me? No, you're muted. I can hear you, Josh. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I can't hear, I can't Tim. hear Tim. I can't hear Tim. How about now? Nope. <laughs> okay, how about now? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.